2: We talk about pretty quickly, which is you know, it is what it is, but um yeah, with last Wednesday's game being an afternoon game, we kind of brushed through that one last Wednesday already, and then yesterday's game being what it is, and then today's being taking place tonight. We only have five brewer games to talk about today, but um, uh, you know. So we're going to start with the Brewers today. So we're back on another Wednesday on the Wisco Fanatics show. We have, I think we have some interesting, interesting talks to have today. Um, not just for baseball, but also for Brewers, um, for Brewers baseball, but also for Badgers football. Um, Mm -hmm. we're actually going to have Scary Alvarez joining us from Twitter a little bit later when we switch Mm -hmm. to talk about the Badgers, um and we we wanted to bring him in and let him share his, his viewpoint because we didn't want to basically take his his tweets that he put out and, and share them as our own. We wanted to give him the opportunity to share his thoughts yep. because I think he said things in a way that is probably better than we could have said them. even. So we're going to let him um, um, put that out there when uh, we switch to Badgers football. But we're going to start with the Brewers. And, you know, it's such a weird, such a weird team. Yeah. It's it's so weird that they've gone so back and forth. And last Wednesday we sat here and we're like, all right, well, maybe next Wednesday we'll have a little bit of a better idea of what this team is going to be. Maybe they'll be in by then. Maybe they'll be out by then and we'll know. And here we are a week later. Still wondering.
3: Exact same spot.
2: Uh, ex- exactly. It's in the exact same spot. It's there's eight games to go. They're a game and a half back. Yep. So it's we're still in a position of they're not eliminated, they're not out of it yet. All we're right. in such a weird spot. And it's something we haven't dealt with in the last four years with the Brewers because they've been in. Um yep. twenty twenty was weird because the Brewers were like thirty and thirty one or something like that and still got in because they expanded the playoffs to eight teams that year. But um, You know, you're in, you're in. So it is what it is. But, like, it's a really weird spot to be. It feels weird. It's like they've gone through some really rough stretches. They've gone through, you know, like, a, what, an eight-game losing streak in June. Um, losing to the, the Pirates and the, the Cubs coming out of the All-Star break and the trade deadline. I mean... We're, we could start with the Reds series and start with game one, but like it's such a, like I said, it's just a weird spot to be in. So, I mean, we can start with the Reds, um, start there. Let's talk about game one of the Reds series.
3: Um, <clears throat> Before we continue, it's like the Phillies are allowing us to stay in it though. Cause every time we lose, they I lose. Know. And it's so frustrating. It's like, of course they lost to the Cubs. Now they're going to win the next two or the next one or whatever they play against the Cubs. And it's going to be like, are you kidding me, the one that they freaking lost to the Cubs. We lost. But it is what it is.
2: Um I have so something gonna... on that when we get to what's what's next for the Brewers. So
3: Yeah. Um, we'll start with the first game here. Brewers won this one five to one. Uh this was last Thursday. Uh Woody was on the mound. Um, six innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, two walks, and eleven K's. Uh Phil's is messing, with, is us, messing with us. Yeah, they are. Um so, again, another great start from Woody. Uh, he looks fantastic. Uh, Straslecki, Bush, Cousins, they all look fantastic in this one. Uh, nothing really to report there from the bullpen. Uh, the player of this game, though, even, even if you liked Woody's start, was definitely Colton Wong. Uh, three home runs, five RBIs. He was the entire offense for the Brewers. So, yep. hats off to him, man. I think – I mean – This second half, he's been pretty damn good, man. It'd be hard for me to get rid of him, you know, seeing what he can be. He just has to do it for the entire season because he was kind of a letdown, if you look at it that way, the first half. yeah, Not much of a letdown, but he was a letdown. There wasn't really a lot of people hitting the baseball good for the Brewers, but the second half, I think he's been pretty consistent, Pretty pretty good. Yeah.
2: The, the thing with Colton Wong is that normally, you know, if he's going through some offensive struggles is that his defense usually still gives him a lot of value, similar to the way that yeah. Lorenzo Cain was for the last couple of yeah. years. Um, and this year that kind of hasn't been the case. You know, Colton Wong has struggled on defense for pretty much like the first time in his career. Um, right. And it happened again. He was trying to make a jump throw. Um, I don't remember. I think that was in was that Sunday's game. Uh, he was trying to make like a jump throw, just really wasn't a necessary play at that point in the game and um, you know ended up causing an error. But, you know, it's or like the last week when he had his foot, you know, two inches away from the bag instead of on the bag on a play that Willie Adamus made. It's just stuff like that. It's kind of uncharacteristic of Colton Wong. But this was his first career three home run game. And it also set his career high for home runs in a season. So he's up to 15 home runs this season. That's his career high, breaking his career high that he tied last year with 14. Um. So, going into, um, there was a play that actually got hit to it was a fly out to Hunter Renfro. He had to come really far in on it, but the runner they were the uh, the Reds were trying to do a hit and run. So dude takes off from first base. Colton Wong sees the ball hit up into the air. And runs to second base like the throw is coming. And the dude is like running trying to get to second base, thinking that a throw is coming to second base. And then the ball is actually caught in the outfield and he's thrown back to first for a super easy double play. So Colton Wong kind of tricked a runner. Um, Mm -hmm. That happens again later on when we talk about some of these other games that a runner gets tricked. Um, Brandon Woodruff pitched six innings, gave up three hits, two walks, only the one earned run, 11 strikeouts, he is rapidly climbing that yeah. double-digit strikeout list. He's going to be behind oh, yeah. Corbin Burns pretty quick. Um, you know, he got a double play, actually, too. Um, Brandon Woodruff did. He got a double play right before the only home run that he gave up was a solo shot. He got a double play right before that. So it could have easily been, you know, a two or three home run or two or three run home run only ended up being a solo shot, being the only run that the Reds scored that day. Um his ERA over his last 15 games,
4: 255.
2: Hmm. That's, that's Cy Young stuff right there, 255 ERA. Corbin Burns won it last year with a 243, so that's that's pretty good stuff. Um, so we can go to, I mean, that's pretty much the the gist of the game. I will say, for Cincinnati, Hunter Green is going to be a very good pitcher. Like, he's already a good pitcher, but he's going to be a very good pitcher Simon. for them. Yep. Um, what's up, Simon? Um, he's going to be a good pitcher. Like, Cincinnati, like I have no problem admitting when, when other teams have good players. Um, mm-hmm. Cincinnati has a good one in Hunter Green. That dude's got some crazy velocity. All right, let's go to game two
3: of the Reds' series. All right, game two. Brewers won this one as well. Uh, they started stacking wins when they needed them. So I started to feel good. But again, the Phillies kept winning when we were winning. And it was like, are you kidding? And they were playing the Braves. So it was like super annoying. But it is what it is. Um, we won this one five to three. Uh, Lauer went two and two thirds in this one uh, five hits, two earned runs, uh, three walks, and three Ks. So not the best showing for Eric Lauer uh perdomo what came in this game three and a third looked very good only one hit the four k's uh boxberger uh bush and williams all very good none of them earned runs um three k's by williams two k's by boxberger and the one walk from bush uh the milestone in this game was mccutcheon getting his thousandth RBI. Yes. Yep. so that's very important um he had three in this game which got him to 69 on the season nice Nice. Nice. Um Carantini, 31 RBIs. Uh McCutcheon and Carantini both had doubles in this game. Uh Carantini's 10th double of the year and McCutcheon's 24th. Brewers actually hit a lot of doubles.
2: They really do. Yeah. I mean, you find that with power hitting teams that they end up hitting a lot of doubles because they hit a lot of hard hit balls that bounce off the wall and get down the lines and stuff like that. So I do think that I think that kind of ties in a little bit there. But um with this game. Eric Lauer had kind of a rocky start. Uh, He did give up two runs, but he did also strand the bases loaded. Um, So that's, you know, the damage could have been worse, and obviously it ended up working out for the Brewers. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to bring up Luis Perdomo because he pitched so well. Um, I actually tweeted it out, and it's one of those tweets that actually aged flawlessly. I tweeted out that he got the, the third out in the third inning on three pitches he got a strikeout on three pitches to end the third inning and i'm like oh you got three three pitches for a three pitch strikeout to end the third inning if he can have a quick fourth fifth sixth inning uh that would be great and sure enough he gets a clean fourth fifth sixth inning and the brewers are rolling um jake mentioned the other two um um The other two relievers that came in, and then Devin Williams came in for the last out of the eighth inning, struck out the side in the ninth inning. This was the game where Colton Long had the jump throw error. Um, Christian Yelich was on base three times this game. Um, That four-out save was also Devin Williams' second this year. Um, Everybody in the lineup had a hit, and the Brewers drew six walks in this game. That's Um, the The thing that sucks about it, Um, and we, we've talked about it at tons of times on, on how to fix it is 12 guys left on base and two for 15 with runners in scoring position, Mm. which is tough. That's a tough spot to be in, but it's, we've seen
3: it too many times. Right. And that said, you know, if,
2: if the Brewers can win a game like that, like, I mean, you just, you just take it and move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say with with Eric Lower being back he was going to be on a short leash just like Ashby and Peralta for their first games back because they had no rehab appearances. You know, they didn't go down to Nashville and throw, a, you know, throw four innings in AAA or anything like that. Like this was his first thing back after doing just bullpen work, so um I, I think it should be too expected that these guys were going to be on a short leash. But yep. let's go to the third game of that Red Series um Basically another hero for this one too. So, uh, what did you see in that third game?
3: Yeah, uh, the the offense exploded. Uh, there wasn't one guy that was the offense, even though Renfro had a very good game yes. uh, with two home runs and the five RBIs, which got him to sixty eight. And I was like, couldn't get one so, more? so close. We could have had it back to back. You son of a bitch, um, <laughs> Taylor, Narvaez, Urias, all two out RBIs. Uh, Teles, another homer, thirty three on the year. Renfro got the twenty seven after his two. Um, Corbin Burns, uh, pretty good outing. Uh, this is kind of what you expect from him. Six and a third, four hits, two earned runs. I mean, the three walks is kind of, but eight K's. That's what he does. Um, Trevor got, uh, two thirds of an inning pitch, nothing across the board. Rogers gave up one walk in his inning, but no earned runs and Suter two K's, uh, no earned runs, no walks for him. So the bullpen was Pretty damn good against the Reds, I'll say that. Pretty mm-hmm. damn good.
2: Yeah, and with um, with the batting order this game, Christian Yelich was the only one hitless, but he did draw a walk and score, so everybody in the batting order was on base. Um, the Brewers only struck out four times in this game. That is awesome. I would love to see that every game, to see the Brewers only strike out four times and be putting the ball in play that much. Um, they only left five guys on base, mm-hmm. And they were five for eleven with runners in scoring position. That to me is a big number. That five for eleven with runners in scoring position.
3: They had more um, hits with runners in scoring position than strikeouts. That's what you need to see. <laughs> that I like that. That's a really yes. good way to
2: look at that. That's huge. I like
3: that a lot. More
2: hits with runners in scoring positions than strikeouts. Uh, yeah, that's that's good stuff. So I had a lot to unpack with this one. Um, Bottom of the sixth inning, Willie Adamas gets a nice backhand pick and throw out to first base. And then in the top of the seventh, he comes and hits an RBI double. So defense feeding into the offense there. Um, Hunter Renfro, I have I have a lot of stuff with Hunter Renfro. So it was his first home run since September 6th. So he had gone almost three weeks without a home run. Um, it's his second two-run home run game, or uh, third, sorry, third two home run game this season his second in cincinnati oh um he tied his career high with four hits he's done that five times twice as a brewer and this was his fourth career five rbi game and now this is the crazy thing he is tied for second in home runs at great american ballpark this year with eight with joey Votto. no way yes no freaking way! Brendan Drury has the most. He has twelve. After that, Joey Votto and Hunter Renfro are tied for the second home, second most home runs in Cincinnati this year.
3: That's insane! <laughs> Holy shit! That
2: is that is awesome.
3: And freaking Joey Votto is sitting with the fans in the stands. Yeah,
2: which is cool. Like I like Joey Votto. Like I feel bad yeah. that he's stuck in Cincinnati. Like I wish he could be on the Brewers, but yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, Hunter Renfro tied for second most home runs at great American ballpark this year. Wow. As a visiting That's... player. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, Omar had an opposite field uh single. Tyrone Taylor had an opposite field single. Those two both scored runs after um after the Hunter Renfro home run. What I wanted to note about that is obviously the opposite field hits I've been keeping track of that cuz I think that's something that the Brewers could do to improve their offense but it was also good to see the Brewers tack on some more runs after a home run was hit in that inning. Yeah. So that's something that I got really a lot of encouragement from was seeing seeing the rally restarted after a home run and not just guys going up, you know, kind of, you know, not as maybe not as aggressively or not as focused cuz you know, they're thinking like All right, Hunter already hit a home run this inning. We already got three runs in this inning, so you know we're good. If if, you know, if I strike out or I just ground out, Mm -hmm. Um, so it was good to see that rally restarted. So I did actually get some encouragement from that. Um, It was so close to being able to get a four game sweep. I mean, I think going three and one on a four game series, I think is something you would take. I mean, it's a series win. Obviously, the Brewers would would love to go undefeated for the rest of the year, but. Um, I don't think that's an expectation. I think that's more of a hope, not an expectation, that the Brewers would um, finish the season undefeated. But let's go to let's go to the fourth game
3: of that Brewers Reds series. All right. Well, Brewers. Uh, Peralta started this game. Two innings pitched. Um, he uh, Yep. Yeah, he gave up two hits, uh, no runs, three Ks. Uh, Ashby came in one and two thirds. Uh, two hits, one run run, two walks for Ashby. He does struggle with walks, but oh. as he gets better command of his pitches, believe us, he has great stuff. He can Yeah, he's really got great, great
2: stuff. There's no doubt about that. He
3: could be a high-end starter if he gets better command of those pitches and takes yep. the walk total down, he'll start striking a lot of yep. people out. Um, um Gott, um got Bush and Boxberger all win an inning in this in this game. Uh two hits between those four pitchers one earned run and five strikeouts zero walks as well so like i said the the bullpen was not the problem in this series i no, all. I agree um renfro hit a home run got to 28 and 69 RBIs nice let's go baby <laughs> um you know it was
2: kind of a bummer cuz like i i saw matt bush getting a lot of flack for for losing this game for the brewers like I ended up losing 2 to 1 mm-hmm. um I think a little bit more needs to be just put on the whole team. You know, it's a team game um, for the Brewers to only score one run the day after scoring 10, I think is a little less excusable than Matt Bush giving up a solo home run.
3: And the fact that like they know that they're still out of the playoffs and they have to win, you know, and you gotta you got an opponent that you should be beating. And I understand that they beat them three times in a row, but we need all the wins right yeah this isn't
2: this isn't june anymore we're not in the position you know where it's like it's still early or there's a lot of games left like
1: yeah. when you
2: let when you let a two-to-one game get away from you it, 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 it's more of a bummer and i get it um so what i will say is i think i feel like the breweries got a little swing happy after scoring 10 runs the day before if i'm if i'm being honest i feel that's kind of how they were they're like oh yeah we were hitting everything yesterday like You know, we can swing a little more today, and it just didn't translate. Um, Again, I said this with Hunter Green, and I'll say it again with Nick Lodolo. He's a good pitcher. Cincinnati's got a couple of good young pitchers. They, you know, they need a lot more position players. Like, you know, they're probably six or seven players away from being, you know, in in a contention position again. But they have a couple of nice young pitchers. Um, That being said... Yeah. I mean, speaking of young pitchers, I mean, we go from to Freddie Peralta and Aaron Ashby, those two also no rehab appearances. They are just boom back. Um, what is encouraging with this is that Freddie Peralta said that after he was done, that he felt like he felt good after he was done pitching. Um, Aaron Ashby, like Jake said, he got hurt by the walks and the, um, the hit by pitch. Uh, we just, we know the command is tough for him at times. It's obviously going to be something he spends the, the entire offseason working on. But, mm-hmm. um, which is really encouraging cuz like if, if Aaron Ashby spends his offseason working on his command and he comes back and he's got five pitches that he can throw anywhere on the plate or in the strike zone like he's going to be good. He's oh, going to yeah. be real good. And that contract the Brewers signed him to is going to look just insanely like a steal. Oh yeah. Um so plenty of time to develop that. Um I mean he's what 26, 27.
3: In baseball years, he's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Especially for a pitcher, too. I mean, it's not yeah, like that, that's something that people probably don't understand is like baseball is different than football, where like at 26, 27, you're kind of in your prime in football. Right. You know, in basketball, your prime starts probably 28, you know, 29. I mean, that I mean, you see people be good when they're young in right. basketball and football and shit. There's a lot of IQ when the mind to, basketball to be in yeah. prime when the mind catches up with the body, like Giannis, his mind is catching up to his body and you can tell because he's literally, like he was the most efficient player for the last couple of years, in my opinion, mm-hmm. scoring the ball, you know, everything that he does. But, you know, now in his field. head, he's seeing the play before it happens. So yep. now he's just scoring even easier. It's it's ridiculous. Yep.
2: <laughs> um, So Bruce struck out 10 times as a team. Only drew one walk, so that's where I really get into that feeling where you know it feels like they were like up there swinging, trying not trying to take as many pitches. Um, mm-hmm. only six base runners, and I saw Keston Hero getting a lot of flack too. Um, he it's such a unfortunate thing. Keston Hero standing on second base, Tyrone Taylor rips a ball up the middle that would have been an RBI single, but. You know, you can't really fault Kesson here for that. Like, he feels, he hears the crack of the bat and he takes off. Like, you're not jumping out of a out of the way of a ball that's hit 105 miles an hour off the bat. You know, it's just one of those things where it happens and it's like, it's baseball. You know, it's not something you look at Kesson here and go, how do you let the ball hit you? Like, I saw Some a lot of people that, that did it. <laughs> um, which is unfortunate. Like. I guarantee you, you're not jumping out of a ball that's coming at you that quickly, especially when you're in baseball mode and you're thinking like, all right, crack of the bat, I got to go. Because um, I think it was two outs at that point, too. So, you know, you're even more like crack of the bat, I got to go. You know, if there's an error, I can score. If it gets through, I should score. You know, it's it's really an unfortunate thing that the ball hit him. And it's really not anything that people need to be freaking out and 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 bashing Keston here up for. Um, yeah. I think that was a bit unnecessary for people that were doing that. I agree. Um, I do want to give Strzelecki some credit for stranding the bases loaded. Also, when he came in, he stranded the bases loaded, so it was good to see that. And then this was the other game where the Brewers pulled off a really nice fake. So Victor Caratini had a ball that was going, um, kind of dribbling up the third baseline. Mm-hmm. He grabbed the ball, faked a throw to first, and I don't remember who it was. I think it was might have been Friedel. Came running around third base, and as Victor Caratini faked the throw to first, um, mm-hmm. he took off and Caratini was able to just turn around and tag him. Um, so that was a, a nice defensive play by Victor Caratini. But, um, like I said, we would like to see the Brewers pull a four game sweep because we're getting to this position where, like, obviously games are must win. Um, we're kind of out of the you know, you know, we're not in the you know, there's more games to go yet situation anymore, there's eight games to go. And mm-hmm. the Brewers need to win them all. And yes, hope that Philadelphia
3: loses two more than the Brewers do. Basically where we're at. Well, if they can get if they can get a win, you know, tonight against the Cardinals and you know the Phillies lose, we we will have a good chance. Because we'll, yeah, we'll only need to do it one more time after that. When
2: we get let's talk about this Cardinals game and then I want to talk a little bit about what the end of the season looks like. So let's talk about last night's game.
3: Okay. Uh, here we go. So last night, Hauser uh, left the game hurt. Um, three and a third. Uh, two hits, three earned runs, four walks, and the three Ks. In my opinion, he's probably done in Milwaukee, You know, especially with all the young pitching that we have down in the minors. Uh, be tough for me to see a scenario, you know, with him struggling, injured on and off. You know, this was a tough year for Adrian Hauser. Mm-hmm. Probably mentally, you know, and physically, obviously. It uh, sucks. I felt really bad for him, too, because, like, listening yeah. to him talk about it after the game, he's like, it
2: sucks. He's like, you know, I felt like I was finally getting into a groove. And mm-hmm. he's like, you know, I wanted to get out of that inning, you know, I have us only down two to nothing and, and get the guys in to start batting. Like, you could tell, like, it sucked for him going through it.
3: Yeah. <sighs> Just one of those situations, man. It is what it is, man. Nothing you can do about it. it's out of your hands. Um, but Suter, uh, he pitched in this game, gave up two earned runs, two hits, and a K in his inning. Uh, Got Milner and Rogers all pitched one and one third. Uh, five hits between them, an earned run, a walk, and three Ks. Uh, two earned or uh, two hits for Got. Two hits for Milner, and a hit for Rogers. Uh Strzelski, again lockdown. The guy gave up one walk and had one K in his two thirds, but uh Telez had a homer, uh 34 homers on the year for Telez. The problem with Telez is he doesn't hit for average. Yeah. If he hit for average, I mean, think about this. He has 34 home runs and only 87 RBIs. He needs to be an RBI producer, you know. Yeah with as much power as he has, I appreciate it. And I love that he has 34 home runs. If he hit for, for average, he'd have North of 40 home runs right now.
2: And, and the thing with that, that too is, is that Craig council has been in a tough spot this entire season. um, Dealing with all the injuries the Brewers have had to basically everybody, but Corbin Burns, Um, the, the cleanup position has not been a consistent one. No. Um, He's he's had Luis Urias in there. I think he had Christian Yelich in there a couple times early in the year. He's had Colton Wong in there. He's had Brasso in there. He's had Renfro and and Telez and like maybe even Willie Adonis. I think he's had and Hero in the cleanup spot. Like It's been a revolving door. I think – I'm not going to lie, don't quote me on this, but I think Colton Wong had one game where he batted cleanup. I think there was one game. But not having that consistent, you know, where – for like, what, 2008 to like 2012, it was Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder. That was three and four yep. every single game, and you knew it, and you knew Ryan Braun was going to get pitches to hit because Prince Fielder was behind him.
3: And they didn't want to pinch to him. <laughs> yeah, and they did not. Um,
2: and then a lot of times it was like Casey McGee batting fifth, and he would you know get a decent was, of home run. He made the all-star game. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good, man. So not having that consistency in the middle of the order – um when we get to the off season, that might be something interesting to, for us to take a look at and kind of evaluate how the season went is look at that middle of the order and that that lack of consistency there cuz once they switch Christian Yelich to the leadoff spot um like he really started playing very well um so you know getting to that point um you know if they could get that consistency from you know 2 through 5 um you know it would be a lot different for the offense potentially. Um, I think Luis Urias is a guy that factors into that. I think they were kind of hoping he could take a step forward average-wise. He does have a little bit of sneaky power. He didn't hit as many home runs as he did last year, but um, Mm -hmm. still a little bit of time left in the season. But, um, you know, just consistency. We know the Brewers have the talent. We know they have the ability. Uh, They took two out of three from the Yankees. Um, You know, they've had series where they've done things that, you know, it kind of seems like, Maybe the Brewers won some games they shouldn't. Obviously, they've done the opposite as well. But um, the the capability is there. It's just, like I've said, for the last two weeks, it's going to come down to execution. Um, And that's still what we're looking at. We're still looking at execution. There's eight games to go, and the Brewers still aren't in or out yet. Um, I will say um, Craig Council did say after the game. Actually, he said it before the game, I should say. um, All hands on deck. Brewers will be looking for the best ways to get 27 outs for the last eight games. Um, Lauer is scheduled to make a start already, but he did say that Freddie Peralta and Aaron Ashby could be starters or bullpen guys. Granted, he said this before Hauser got injured, but um, the Brewers did put Hauser on the 15 day injured list today and call up Justin Topa, who's a reliever. So it's probably a little more likely that Freddie and Ashby end up making starts instead of Mm -hmm. relief appearances. Um, But we still, still got a chance to get in. Uh, it's not over till it's over. Um, everything weird that can happen in baseball will eventually happen. Watch um, me get in on
3: the last day, bro,
2: dude. Right, like it'll be so sweaty. <laughs> like it'll be, God, that's what it's gonna be. Like they're gonna be playing a home game against Arizona, and the Phillies are gonna lose that day, so they'll be, you know, a, a half game back or tied or whatever. And you know it'll be like the eighth inning, and you'll know, find out the the Phillies lost, and the Brewers are in like a zero zero pitcher duel or some shit.
3: <laughs> I'll be like,
2: are you kidding? Like me? whatever the maximum amount of stress that the season could end in, like that's how it'll go, right? Top of the top of the tenth, tied at four.
3: <laughs> oh god, I'm already. We need to stressed win.
2: Out. I'm already stressed out just thinking about the extra runner <laughs> on second base.
3: Oh, right? that's why I said. That's why I said extra innings. Oh, like ima- imagine that. Like if you win, you're in and they're in a tie game, I'd be like, right, are you kidding
2: me right now? put You're Devin crazy. Williams
3: out there. I don't even care. Yeah, like, don't just care let Devin Williams pit for six
2: innings. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned Roddy Callez hitting his 34th home run. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett Mitchell did well, actually. He had two hits out of the Brewers' six. Um, his batting average is actually up to 292. The cardiac crew. Cardiac crew. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Garrett Mitchell actually has his batting average up to 292. What was it just three weeks ago when people are like, should we be concerned about Garrett Mitchell being old for his last 12 after batting well when he came up?
3: That's why you watch- need to just be a little bit patient. Like I was watching a little bit of this game. It did seem like he was having a little bit of trouble in the field, uh, probably one or two catchable balls that he could have made plays on. But I expect him to – Really take a jump next year, you know, with a full off season, you know, around yep. the guys, around the coaching staff, learning ins and outs. I mean, he's got the speed. He's got a little bit of a I think he's, he's gonna be a good speed. I think he's gonna be the average guy. I think he's gonna be a stolen yep. base guy. Yep. Um, and just just wreck some havoc on the bases and play good defense. And I am hundred percent okay with that. He hit a ground ball to second base and got a single
2: out of it. He, he just fast. hit, like, a legit routine ground ball to second base and got a single. not a baby. <laughs> um, so the Phillies lost yesterday. Obviously, the Brewers lost. It's, it's tough because, you know, the Cardinals clinched the division yesterday. So they got to celebrate, you know, that they won the division. Um, the Brewers have been that team before. The Brewers have been the super hot team that clinches the division right before the end of the season. Uh, they celebrated in St. Louis. Um, it's it's tough. So the Brewers have been that team. It happened to the Brewers this year. It's it's tough. Um, the Brewers are a game and a half back. They need to make up two and a half. So before we do our power pair, I want to bring this up because Philadelphia is on a 10-game road trip to end the mm-hmm. season. The mm-hmm. Brewers are on a 10-game homestand to end the season, or I should say nine-game homestand, sorry. Nine-game homestand to end the season. Um, The Phillies have two more in Chicago. Mm -hmm. They have four in Washington and then three in Houston.
3: See, that Houston series is like, I'm licking my chops a little bit, man. (laughs) Um, The Brewers
2: have one more with St. Louis tonight. They have four with Miami and three with Arizona.
3: All at home. God, I like our chances, but it's just—I like, know it's such. But it's I don't. Like
2: it's such a compromising place to be.
3: I don't want to say I like it because of this fucking team. I, I know, I get it. <laughs> fucking, <yeah. laughs> I know. Just fucking win the rest of just your game, in. and then you're definitely in. in. Just take it over, and then hold on to it. Fuck. Just, just, just win every game nine, nine in a row, and then you'll definitely be in. Because I know the Phillies are losing a couple in in their next ten. Guarantee that. Yeah, they got. Yeah, they have. Well, oh, now as of yesterday, they have nine to go. The Brewers have eight to go. They're losing at least one to the Astros, and they're we and basically they're, basically and they're need, dropping one to the Nationals. I guarantee that they're dropping one to the Nationals, dropping one to the Astros. That's your two right there. If
2: the Brewers, so the Brewers basically need to win two more games than the Phillies, basically where they're at. Um, if same, the, the Phillies, if the Phillies go six and three, the Brewers would
3: need to go. Um, like eight and one. The margin for error is small.
2: It's it's small, but, but.
3: You're telling me there's a chance.
2: You're telling me there's a chance. Just this much. <laughs> I just, just this much. If it's mathematically possible, it'll happen in baseball. It well, will happen. It might not happen this year, but it will happen.
3: I hope they're one of those people that give them an inch and they take a mile. That's all I'm saying. That's, that's all it is. All you need to do is get
2: in. Get yeah. in, get hot, and you win. Win the whole damn thing, Major League style. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. Um, <laughs> so, that's what's next for the Brewers. I swear to God, dude, if we're here next Wednesday and we're still doing like, well, are they in or are they not in? I'm going to lose my shit.
3: And, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, just make up your mind. You know you're you're acting like a woman just, right just now. Just get in here,
2: all right. Tell me Hit what you me want for your, dinner, okay? <laughs> Hit me with your power pair, and then we are gonna switch to the Badgers.
3: All right. Um. So my hitter, I actually did pick Colton Wong.
4: Oh.
3: Um. Okay. I went with Colton Wong because I feel like I haven't gave him much love in the second half. And like I said, he was pretty consistent. Um. Obviously, he had the big game where he had the three home runs, and the five RBIs. That's what he ended the week with was three home runs and five RBIs, but he was six of sixteen, so that's a 375 average. Uh scored four runs, uh, three walks. I mean, he was he was good. Um, do you want me to do my pitcher right away? Sure. Um, I picked uh Strizlecki. Um he's what had a did lot of, Did you? Yeah, he's had a <laughs> lot of up and downs this season, man. That's kind of kind of a trend of mine. I like to give give love to guys when they're they're trending up and they're playing well. You know, I like to build people's confidence so. Uh, Strzelecki, three innings pitch, one hit, zero earned runs, one walk, and three Ks. He was phenomenal this week.
2: I also went with Strzelecki for my pitcher. He's got his ERA down to 306. That's
3: not bad, actually. That's pretty good.
2: Um, I went with Renfro for my hitter just because, Mm -hmm. or my position player. Just he's on a four game hitting streak now. Um, he did a whole bunch of career things against Cincinnati last week. Um, eight hits, three home runs, six RBI and six runs scored all in the last week. So a pretty strong week from Hunter Renfro. And
3: he's a 69 RBI. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That'll that'll do. Um, (laughs) is there anything else Brewers related that you want to do before we
3: switch to Badgers? No. Um, I just, I really hope that they get in the playoffs. I really do. I do I, too, and I want you know, that badly. if
2: if we get into a situation where it's like okay, you know, like red alert time, the Brewers are in, like uh-huh. you know,
3: maybe we can do an emergency live or something like that. But <laughs> did you? I know you saw that post. What the hell was that on? God damn it, was that on Facebook? Um, where no, oh, it might have been on Twitter where people were voting if they wanted uh, the Brewers yes. to playoffs. And you commented, "Who the hell is voting?" No, who I'm says just thinking,
2: no? Like I'm thinking the same you? thing,
3: like. <laughs> Who the hell choose for a team is just like I hope they don't make it. Fuck yeah, I hope guys. they miss the playoffs.
2: Yeah, then yeah, they'll no the fire Council and Stearns. Like, who That's says really no? It. <laughs> uh, it, it's just and it's what it ends up coming down to is is such a negative mindset, and it's really sad because this is the the thing we get to with the Badgers, and we're gonna welcome in Scary Alvarez, which is which is exciting. It's cool to have because he's got a um a big following on Twitter, so. How are you Mr. doing, Scary Alvarez? Mr. Alvarez.
0: Doing pretty pretty well.
2: How are y'all doing? Good. <laughs>
0: so, it's
2: this is tough because we know the Badgers lost big. Like, it's not a secret. You know, it's unfortunate. So, the Badgers come in unranked to face the number three team in the country, and they get blown out, and all of the negativity comes out. Literally all of it, all of the negativity you could possibly imagine comes out and gets thrown at the Badgers, whether it's um, Fire Christ or Graham Mertz ain't it or recruiting is terrible. And you put out a really long thread that I think explains it better than I could have um, as far as Paul, Chris and the recruiting. Um, So I will let you uh, go ahead and give your um, give your your. Basically, your your threat on that because I think it's it's something that bears bears hearing for Badger fans.
0: I agree. Yeah. Well. Well. First of all, let me let me say what a what a tremendous uh, honor this is to, for 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 both of you. Um, <laughs> well played. I was well I was wondering played. if he was going to go there.
2: Yeah. I'm well like, played. yeah, no, we're excited to have you, dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm I'm excited to be on with myself here. This is this is this is always a uh. threat. Um, and wow. I also would like to, to thank you for letting having the brewers be the lead in for this. Uh, so this actually seems like the more optimistic of the of the of the chat today. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, I'm not I'm not counting about or anything, but my God. All right. Well, yeah. um, so I, I appreciate the lead in. And, and certainly I, I'd like this to be an, as much of an exchange as possible. People know how shy I am and how uh, you know reluctant I am to share my opinions. So you know, feel free to bop in anytime. any time. But you know, the, the gist of what I was I was saying in this thread, and I'm on uh, Twitter, uh, at various the dawn, shockingly, that that handle wasn't taken when I signed up. Um, is is that, you know, all is not lost with this program. And is, you know, those of you on this on the platform on Twitter, no, I, I, I tend to be fairly optimistic to the point where people call me a Homer and they, they say mm. I'm nuzzling, nuzzling Chris's boobs and what you know, oh, which, so whatever, whatever I, colorful, is this a family show? I, I don't want to.
2: Yeah, you can, you can swear. Like it's not crazy, a buddy. Like, this, crazy. The, like I've heard on your point of, you know, nuzzling under Chris and, and being called a Homer. Like I've been told that I believe in unicorns and rainbows because I choose to be optimistic. I've been told head in the clouds, time and time again sunshines and rainbows it's all coach talk because we choose to take an optimistic mindset instead of a a pessimistic one or the the quote-unquote people love to say that oh i'm a realist um which is just just a mask the pessimism wears in my opinion i mean i did you see the tweets that ben brust put out before the badgers and ohio state game started
0: I actually did not, did not see those. I was on my wine island uh, putting up a new, a new distillery. But, yeah, what, what, what would happen there?
2: So, Ben Brust tweeted out about an hour before game time. He says, Graham Mertz will throw two interceptions, and this is the least excited I've been for a Badger-Ohio State game since
3: 2010. Since I became a fan in 2010.
0: Okay. Well, let me let me and I'll, I'll launch back into the bigger thing. But first of all, I, I'm a I'm a you know I like Brust. He's a he's a good dude. It's not just because he hit the Michigan shot. Uh, you know he's a he's a, a pretty thoughtful, pretty thoughtful dude. I know he he deeply loves Wisconsin. So that where is all coming from? But I think what that what that probably is is it's a microcosm of of the the larger issue with the fan base right now. And is that we are so prepared. To lose against good teams, it's it's almost like it's a self fulfilling prophecy at this point. Yeah, and it's no. people people say this, this negative stuff. I think partially because they believe it, but but maybe more importantly, almost like to to soften the blow when it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, in in Ben's defense, I don't think there were too many Badger fans or people associated with the program. Uh, not I'm not talking about the players or coaches, but you know, people who are around it who are feeling great about you know, sliding into Ohio Stadium at, at, you know, 730 on a -hmm. a blackout day that we're going to go in there and and steamroll. But I do think ultimately you go with that hope in your heart, and I don't think there are too many fans who are real real happy with being down 28 nothing. you know, however however many minutes in. Uh, So, you know, I'm not saying he was proven correct, but that that sort of what is going to happen next when we play good teams – Oh shit! Is it this again? Mindset is mm-hmm. definitely a thing, and it justifiably is is a thing. Well,
3: okay, so
0: I mean, I can I can keep going, but that's that was sort of my thought on that particular. You know, <laughs> that particular yeah, thing. no,
3: I, 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 I'm just I, digesting what you said, and yeah. the the thing that I'm going to say to that is, you you're a, you're a badger, great. You know, if you're Ben Bruss, people look at you, and you were a recent player. You're on a good. You're on good teams. Like you won a lot of games. Like you put Wisconsin basketball on the national map. Um for me if you're a player and you see like a former you know badger great saying saying stuff how what does that do for your confidence you know we should be we should be picking each other up and you know those, those people that are like oh we're, we're gonna get steamrolled, we're gonna lose ohio state's gonna kick our ass well to me those people are losers and they, they don't they don't fight for anything in their lives yeah it was gonna be a tough game and no i really yeah. didn't expect us to go in there and absolutely demolish ohio state but i also didn't expect us to get fucking steamrolled either you know right right exactly it's it's a tough place to be and i get it but if you're ben brust and you got young kids you know that are from wisconsin that may look up to you that's a bad look for the for the program if a former badger is talking about it that way that's just i I can especially before the game
0: yeah i mean i can see that perspective and you know the the good news is you know what it does to the fan base is is one thing but, you know, knowing what I know about the locker room and the, and the makeup of these of these kids, at least in the program now, is that that wouldn't make one bit of a damn difference. I mean, that's so I understand what you're saying as far as like, you know, potential recruits or the fan base mm-hmm. and, and the general aura around the Badger program. But that that doesn't matter one damn thing to the, to the team. So, you know, we, we can talk about, you know, the mindset that that team came out with and how they how they clawed or, or didn't claw in that game. That's another issue altogether, but it wasn't because some Ben Ross said I mean, I you know, I right and you know, it's 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 tricky because you know, I I am hugely supportive of this thing that I built. You know, I there's if there was a Mount Rushmore, I say three three of the things would be Alvarez and then we figure out the fourth one, but um <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jake probably Jake, probably Jake Ferguson. But uh and people say <laughs> Joe and I I'm not, People always ask about Joe Ferguson, and I, I have no idea who that is or what they're talking about. So, um, you got a brother anyway, up coming up, or that alleged that's that's I don't know, I guess that's the that's the that's the that's the story. I got I got another
2: Sanborn about. brother who's a freshman this year, he's playing linebacker, but he's
0: hurt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's apparently pretty, pretty good, pretty good young player, and I got got to get him healthy. But he'll, you know, he'll be one of those redshirt kids that'll come in and be all big ten ways a junior or something like that. But <laughs> that's um, <what> <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with this. But you know, I try and be. We kind of at the outset of the show, I, I alluded to this, but I try to be positive because that's that's who I am, and you don't inherit a Don Morton team that won six games in three years, come in and think you can go to the Rose Bowl in four years if you don't believe that it can, you know, you got to have that, that optimistic perspective. Mm-hmm. And I always keep that with something though to, to orient Wisconsin fans with this is a lot of the frustration and disillusionment that, that we're feeling as, as uh, supporters of the program right now has to do with how successful it has been. It sounds like a strange way to look mm-hmm. at, it, but people don't, you know, they look long-term. All those Rose Bowls, and yes, I won yeah, three Rose Bowls. That's freaking amazing. I'm amazing. It was all amazing. I get it. <laughs> you all, you all know that after the second of the two Rose Bowls, the the 2000 Rose Bowl, when we beat Stanford. The our Wisconsin's record in the next three years was 19 and 17, including a five and seven season. Mm. So, you know, people kind of gloss over. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I want to. I'd rather have people think I was undefeated as a coach. But the reality is, even as strong as that program was. At that time coming off arguably two of the three or four most successful seasons in program history, it went into an absolute tailspin. It had nothing to do with recruiting rankings. We had some of the best recruiting classes of our ever at those times. We had a the you know the the shoebox scandal, which kind of set things off in you know in a bad way in one of those years. But you know, we had a five and seven season. Can you imagine a five and seven season now? They, it would be oh, God. all hands on deck, every you know, the <laughs> Titanic. Fire Chris, incarcerate Chris. Maybe not just fire. Him. Make sure he's fire incarcerated, yep. so he can he cannot come back and coach again. And you know what happened after those three terrible seasons? I had a ten and three season. Decide I was going to retire. Had Bert Bilama I call him Bert. Oh, you guys
4: man.
0: come in, <laughs> and, and Bert lost one game, twelve and one. Yes, with my players, I understand that. But the program was in good shape. That it was in, mm-hmm. it was a fantastic shape, and you have fly, you know uh, John Stocko and he, he good guys at good positions, continuity with the coaching staff in many ways. And you would have thought, you know, if, if, again, you know, there were some naysayers at that time. But to even imagine a three-year period where we went 19 and 17 now, it's just different times, different expectations. We're, and we're sort of the victim of our own success. And, you know, mm-hmm. I understand one in nine in the last 10 games against top 25 teams, that is unacceptable. Paul yeah. Chris will be the first person to tell you it's unacceptable. Yep. And, and that doesn't give him a pass. But please understand that this this coaching staff understands where they are right now. And they're not riding on, you know, unicorns and rainbows thinking that they're okay because he won the the uh, the orange bowl in twenty seventeen. You know, no one has that mindset. So right. no one's panicking and you know, like I say to people, especially the ones who say that the, the you know JV backup tight ends from nineteen ninety-five uh, in high school who are who are the experts of the program and say we should fire Paul Christ right now. Paul Chris is not going to be fired during the season. So that he can take yep. that, that pipe dream. He can lose the rest of the games. It's not going to be a Scott Frost situation. They would evaluate at the end of the season. Matt, yep. Matt would do what he's going to do or not do what he's going to do. But there's going to be nothing happening, you know, as if, as if Jim Leonard is going to, like, quit Game 7 and go take over Nebraska or something. Like, I don't know what this, this, this thought that, there's, you know, <laughs> we, have to, we have to do something right now in the middle of the yeah. season or, or we're going to be lost forever. It's okay. We have a stable, strong program. We're backsliding a little bit in some of the areas we traditionally don't, like offensive line play. Mm-hmm. But but this is this is not a broken program. This is a right. fixable situation. And that's kind of. I mean, I want to discuss and get y'all's views on this. Yeah. But I want to. I want to. You know, I had that that you know that thread, which it, when we can examine these and break these things down, but. Yeah. It, the bottom line is, when I got to the end of the thread, it wasn't that we need to blow everything up. It's that mm-hmm. we need to take a hard, difficult, unflinching look at where we are and say, you know, a lot of this is okay, but a lot of it isn't, and that's where I am right now. Okay.
2: So I want to get, I want to say two things about the Paul Christ situation. Um, you know, seeing all the the program is in shambles comments and things like that, and. You know, we need to to tear it down and change the entire philosophy, and we need to bring in a, a pro-style offense or a West Coast offense or, you know, any of those number of things. First is the the Paul Christ thing is he is a new offensive coordinator. We are four games in to completely new roles in the offense. Um, last year, Paul Christ was the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the quarterback's coach. This year, Bobby Ingram is the offensive coordinator, and he's the play caller, and he's the quarterback's coach, and Paul Chris is wearing just the head coach hat. Um, You know, I could see a little bit more of the fire Paul Chris stuff if he's calling, like, stupid timeouts that result in 10-second runoffs that cost them a game or something like that. Yeah. But just for, for an adjustment period, we are four games in and had to go play the number three team in the country in their building.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic point and it's it sort of it begs for the kind of it's not patience for patience sake. It's patience based on the situation. Yes, the Washington state loss was was egregious. They yeah. played that game ten times, Wisconsin wins at nine times. That's just one of those you hit you hit the bad number in Vegas or yep. something, sometimes it doesn't work out. There were there were mistakes made. But that was a, I, I feel very confident that was a fluke loss. Washington
2: State was three and a half minutes away from blowing out Oregon last week. They were yeah. playing really
3: good against Oregon. Say, yes. I was watching that game.
0: And that was a good team. And if you, and I, I know, you know, statistics are like a-holes, you know, but mm-hmm. the Everyone reason, that, here, here's the thing: using the this very same kind of advanced analytics that people would have used to want to bury Graham Mertz or bury Paul off oh, yeah. as an offensive coordinator oh, last oh, year. The, it is unquestionable, even after playing Ohio State, that a lot of those things have turned around. And Wisconsin is not one of those weird three yards in the cloud. Although I love it personally, three I'd want every play if I could, um, and never punt. But three yards in the cloud of <laughs> dust teams where every route is five yards, kind of like some of the stuff we saw early in the season last year against Notre Dame, Michigan, those sorts of things. This is not that team. It wasn't that team against Ohio State. There are all kinds of things that I would have done differently. With the offensive game approach on certain things, some of it was just the, how they how they you know either they worked or it didn't. But I promise you, Ingram, he deserves as you as you alluded to a few minutes ago, he deserves a chance to show what he can do against a full. We full need scale. a
2: bigger sample size in this
0: situation. Yes, absolutely, and he and I think there have been wrinkles, and this team yep. is more. Bobby Ingram, he he wasn't the one throwing that ball behind DK. I mean it's not, you know, yep. and 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 I am I've been a Mertz defender and he has improved I believe this and people I get a lot of backlash for this. Grant Mertz is a significantly better quarterback right now than he was in
2: 2021. Oh he's two boys. I'm gonna we, piss people off when we get to our when we get to our, our recap of the Ohio State game when we're done having this conversation. Okay. And we do um for all the football games we do three stars and an underrated performer. Uh, I'll give a spoiler alert that Graham Mertz makes an appearance for me and it's probably going to make people crabby because he didn't perform well in the box score, but I think on the eye test, he did better than people are giving him credit for. And the fact that people will say that last week, oh, it was just New Mexico state. And that's the only reason he played well. He made throws in that game that I think doesn't matter the opponent that, he made throws that only his wide receivers were catching.
0: Yes, that's been a huge development, and he is a talented yes. kid and a good kid, and yes. a hard worker. And I think yep. you, you both have probably heard the stories about how you know at, at least in, from spring going forward, he's taking the time to talk to people and watch and watch more film. Mm-hmm. He's doing those things that yep. you want a leader to do. You want someone who wants to take it to the next level will do. But there are so many fans, and these are the people that, frankly, I don't think all, any either of us or all any of the three of us care about. That have made their decision that this is the wrong guy in the wrong place, and it, he is not the wrong guy. He is he, is he the guy that's going to you know declare for the draft early and be a top five end of a draft pick? No, I don't. I think we we probably know that's probably not going to happen. But th- there was a lot of room for growth, and mm-hmm. this kid is talented, and he is a leader. And I think, I have, okay. yeah, that's I'm mean, that's just I just I feel. It's not a question of, like, I go into works defense mode, but I, I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of these people, they don't know jack shit about quarterback play and what's good quarterback play. <laughs> yeah. They saw the pick. The pick was terrible. No one in the world's going to defend that throw. No, but there was yeah. some miscommunication. And, and But you know what? He didn't, exactly. he didn't throw another one the rest of the game. I, you know, I know it was only 100 yards passing. I understand all that. But yeah. there were things that football minds and trained football eyes see in his game this year that, that yeah. have shown improvement
3: percent.
2: Oh, um, Jake and I man. had this conversation yesterday that um, I said that people see that he was a four-star quarterback and they yep. already attach expectations before he steps foot on the field. Because yep. Oh, he's a four-star quarterback. He's going to be the greatest guy we've ever had since Russell Wilson. And there's nothing in my mind that will change the fact that I now expect him to do a Russell Wilson did and lead the, the Badgers to being a top 10 team in the entire country and, and, and winning, you know, primetime bowl games on, on New Year's Day and being in a position to get into the college football playoff. And Jake said a, a thing that I think really – I think really translates well and I think is something that can kind of offer perspective as he compared it to another player. And I'll let Jake um, – I'll let Jake say what he said when him and I talked about this because I think it I think it translates well.
3: Well, first of all, I'm going to say this. Um, when they saw a four-star quarterback and. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, we've all said it, right? We're all like, the Badgers are a quarterback away. The Badgers are a quarterback away. The Badgers are a quarterback away from being a top five team and competing for the national title. And you see a four-star quarterback come in and it's like, okay, people were calling for him to be the Heisman, you know, the day they signed at Wisconsin. And it's it's ridiculous to me, you know, to put those expectations on a young kid like that. You know, it's very rare that young kids live up to those expectations. Um. I wanted to say something cuz you were talking before about Paul Christ and I got to give him a little criticism. The only problem I have with Chris, and I appreciate his patience because you could see it in his teams, they never, you know, they're they're patient and they they understand that it's a long grind. You know, he's very good at getting that message across, but for these big games, I need to see some fire. And I you never <laughs> see that in his interviews, you, you never see Paul Christ, you know, bring energy and get his guys going and and Jim Leonard is the same way. He's a very very, you know, even keel guy, you know, he he's to himself, you know, he's like, "Okay, you know, trust the process." But it's like with these Ohio State games, you know, and there were, you know, before the season, Michigan State was ranked number 11. They fall flat on their face, too. Yeah. Um so was Notre but Dame. But for those games, I mean, Notre Dame does that every year. Um before before those games, I need to see some fire. You know, I need. Yeah, I need to see some some energy, some some heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, let I, me, I get jacked up in my house. So why is he not getting jacked up? You know let what I'm me.
0: Saying? L- yeah, th- that's a fair point. Let me let me kind of approach it two, two different ways. First of all, is and this, I, I wish I could. Yeah, the the Chris that you see on the sidelines on TV, I, I can I can assure you there is a different side of that. In the locker room, <laughs> because I'm not. I'm not saying he's flaring brimstone, knocking stuff out. You know, doing Bobby Knight stuff. But uh, <laughs> there, there is more fight. So, so it's not totally what you see. But I understand that's the public perception. But yeah. I, I do agree with you, and it goes a little bit beyond, you know, the the general attitude. It's you know, when when I saw them coming out for that, I it took me about three minutes to say they're not ready. I, I just, I, I felt they weren't quite. Ready for that Ohio State game, I and mean, it's not a question of not having quality kids who don't know what it means to win. I, they do. I mean, this is a great group of guys, they're competitors, they hate losing. I mean, look at Nick Herbig, it, Nick it, kills, Herbig, the yeah. it kills them. I mean, he's he, so these are these are not soft guys, these are a, a, a very, very prideful group of young men, and but I, I will say, you know how exactly it came to, 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 to have them look like that. And whatever the perception is to look not ready, it ends at Chris doorstep. So whatever, what, you know, whatever he says, or, or doesn't say or whatever fire he has or doesn't show, it doesn't really matter what the component parts are. The the reality is were they there punching in the beginning? I don't, I don't think they were. So, you know, those are, I just feel like, and I don't know what that, It's intimidating. It's an intimidating place to play. They have a blackout. They're playing arguably the best team in the country right now with unquestionably the best offense in the country. And, you know, I can see coming in a little bit wide-eyed, but it's not because the kids don't have the fight. So, you know, I I guess kind of in a roundabout way, I'm I'm agreeing with what you're saying. That was notable to me. Uh, We would have, you know, and I know there's the stoic walk out there arm-in-arm and just go kick some ass, but there is something, too, showing a little bit of, a little bit of swagger early on. I think it's a different day and age. This isn't. This isn't mm-hmm. 1999. This is 2020, 2022. And and uh, I would have. I would have liked to, uh, to to see a little more. And and it wasn't that it's a perfect correlation. Oh, but suddenly they're down 28 nothing. And like, oh yeah, they didn't look like they're ready. I mean, that's that's kind of fairly or unfairly. That's sort of the the jump that people made.
3: Yeah. Um. So we're gonna get to the player that I compared him to, and the reason I did this is because. People want him to fail, and they're fans of the team, and it makes absolutely no sense to me. But it's a Packers quarterback, and it's not Aaron Rodgers. Packers fans want Jordan Love to fail. I can't and can my head around it. I can't. The, I just, the reason I, that I they can't, do that, I don't get it. I remember our conversation now. Yeah, they were comparing Favre. They were comparing Rodgers to Favre, right? We heard it from all the fans. You know, you guys are going to be screwed after Favre leaves. We're not talking about him off the field right now because he's a complete asshole. And yes, I think that. And yes, I'm still a Packers fan. I, just I wanted to get that out there. We but. can
0: always You can always send him baked goods to the federal prison. I'm sure they'll. <laughs> you the green and gold, green and, the green and gold cookies or, or whatever. You he, he can he can have them during the the. Uh, the just saying, from Jen. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll, I'll send send one from Warren Sapp. I think you think that's funny.
3: <laughs> oh, you probably would. Um, So then, you know, now we get Jordan Love, and he's a first-round pick. And, you know, you talked about the Badgers um, going through a rough stretch after all those Rose Bowls. You know, people forget that the last couple of years of McCarthy because of we were so good for so long under McCarthy because of Rodgers. You know, spoiler alert. We had those couple of years where we were just kind of like, eh. And it was just like kind of Rodgers is running around making shit happen. And then since the floor, obviously we've been phenomenal except in the playoffs when it matters. Um, but Rodgers has been so good and he doesn't throw interceptions and, you know, people are going to compare Jordan love to Aaron Rodgers. And it's just like, there's not going to be another Aaron fucking Rodgers. Okay. It's going to be impossible for somebody to have less than a hundred interceptions in 15 years as a starter. That's that's fucking crazy. Um, So then Graham Mertz comes in, and like Tyler said, right away, Tyler did it. He compared him to to Russell Wilson because that's what the fans were saying. Russell Wilson was a fucking Heisman candidate when he was a Badger. I actually got into an argument with a guy a couple months ago that if Russell Wilson didn't come to Wisconsin, he wouldn't have been a third-round pick. And he was like, no, he was made at NC State. I'm like, buddy, we won a lot of goddamn games that year. We went to the Rose Bowl. I mean, Russell Wilson had a crazy touchdown-interception ratio, like, He showed his accuracy. He showed his mobility. He showed everything, and he was on the stage. Yeah,
0: thirty-three touchdowns, four receptions, and six more rushing touchdowns that year. That wasn't happening. That wasn't happening at NC State. And if it did, if it did happen at NC State, they wouldn't have had the same credibility because defenses in the ACC weren't nearly as tough. So
3: exactly, exactly. So him coming to Wisconsin made him a third-round pick. Um, But you know, people are going to compare. Graham Mertz to this transfer quarterback who was seasoned and maybe he went he took his lumps at NC State but when he got matched up with with an offensive coordinator back then Paul Christ I mean it was a match made in heaven now the thing that I don't understand and I'm kind of interested in your answer is you have Russell Wilson who was really good with offensive coordinator like I just mentioned Paul Christ and then when Paul Christ went to Pittsburgh they were actually throwing the ball around quite a bit. So what happened when he came back to Wisconsin, where we kind of struggled to throw the ball? Like, what's what happened?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good question. Let me let me dip back on something real quick because you mentioned Graham Mertz, and I and I I know that fans just don't don't ever love talking about that topic at all. But remember, he came in. He had that that All American Bowl game where he was the MVP in high school, yep. and then I think to his detriment, had that game against Illinois. His yeah, first yeah. game ever, the, and
2: that seventeen straight completion game. Right,
0: that was like doing doing about ten lines of cocaine for expectations. <laughs> and, it was, and, and by the way, just say no <laughs> drugs, kids. Just say so
2: uh, <laughs> That's going to be in my favorite part of this show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, don't worry, don't worry. We'll get more. But, but, That's uh, awesome. <laughs> you know, I I think so. I think something that was already the expectations were already going to be, and fairly so, in hyperdrive because yet this great quarterback, you know, came in with this with this pedigree, but it it almost was un- unfair to him. And then he got the concussion and, and things just kind of went out the rails. And 2020 was such a, such a fucked up year for so many yeah, reasons, for so yeah. many players. And I'm not, I-, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a head shrinker. I don't know exactly what got, but I think there were some injuries and he's a tough kid. He doesn't want to complain about it. He doesn't want to whine about stuff, but I-, I do feel a little bit badly for-, for the guy because I just think the expectations were-, were-, were too high, but you know, his, his story, Mertz's story has yet to be written. And that's, ca- that's the exciting part of it for me. So yeah. we'll see where it goes, but ask me the question again. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm 75. I have the mind of a 25 year old, but I just forgot something. I, I had some Sherry wine.
3: <laughs> so a lot, <laughs> I see, I see this a lot and I, I don't know how to respond to it myself, but you know, Paul Chris was throwing the ball around with, with yes. Russell Wilson and then yeah. he was throwing the ball around at Pittsburgh and then he came back to Wisconsin. I just don't know where the, the passing game went in that time. You know what yeah, I mean? He would,
0: Chris, Chris would, I think, generically say, and probably in a, in a really exciting and, and uh, you know, enthralling way, he would say something to the effect of, "We we tailor offense to the personnel." I certainly know last year that was an example that those the way they called those games was because that's who they thought they had. I know we had Danny Davis and, and Kendrick Choir, but I'm telling you that that passing game was not okay last. Year. I mean, there was just all kinds of problems with the way it was clicking in practice and whatnot. So, you know, this this year, I, I you know, I think it should be more and it's opening up a little more. And I, and I, I think Chris is, is trying to step back a little bit and let Ingram do his thing. And as you said, that takes time, mm-hmm. but you know, it's probably partially personnel and partially. And I said this in my thread, maybe the Wisconsin, the Wisconsin way has been figured out a little bit. I mean, it's, <laughs> I hate to say that because if you have the personnel and you, and typically you you tailor the scheme to the personnel whether it's adding bells and whistles or jet sweeps or whatever the case may be but i, I just wonder i think this is going to ha- how our offense is is changing and evolving even if it's slowly is going to have to keep doing that if we're going to try and get ahead of this and uh, you know so i i think maybe we chris waited a little bit too long to try and and move that offense forward and we're just now catching up with it i think that's the that's the kind of the most generic way i can answer that
2: so I, said it two, I said two weeks ago, I, I feel that the Badgers style of play makes them a little bit easier to upset because there's usually fewer possessions in the games because they just run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. And then after yep. that, they run Sorry. the ball and run the ball and then they run the ball more. It's, it, it takes away possessions. That's exactly right. And it's what I said with it is the games you see the Badgers score a lot of points. It's usually only because they have a lot of big plays that result in shorter possessions because somebody ran for a 75 yard touchdown or a 50 yard touchdown or a 96 yard touchdown or a hundred yard touchdown, pick six. That's those games where you see the higher scoring, not the 17, 14 games. They lost to Washington state because they didn't have a lot of possessions in that game.
0: That's exactly.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think it, it does make it easier for them to upset other teams, but when a team gets off to such a hot start as Ohio State did, I think the win pretty much out of the sails yeah, right it puts away. puts a lot more because... pressure
3: on your your drive, right?
2: So that's kind of changed that. But um, yeah, I think the play style. I I think maybe through the middle of last year is where I would have liked to see them where they are now. Uh, right. But I do think there is progress being made here, and I think Graham Mertz is a big part of that progress,
0: uh, unquestionably. And and you know. <sighs> I, it's it's just you, you nail it on the head. I mean, so we're in 1993, in then in my first Rose Bowl season, and we're playing Michigan. The game we ultimately won 13 to 10. But if that if Michigan would have jumped out with two quick touchdowns in that game, we probably don't win no. because it was the way even with explosive players on that particular offense, a really good offensive line, a good game manager, and Bevel, that was just the Wisconsin way—the way it had to be. And, and UCLA, we didn't get in the shootout. We won, you know, we and ultimately kept it low scoring, held them to 16 points and won the game. And I think you hit the nail on the head. If what, Ohio state is the worst case scenario. I know the worst case scenario for mm-hmm. a lot of us yep. but you know, a game where you get down this, this team just at least at this point is, is quite obviously not cut out for, for big comebacks. And let's not forget. I mean, Leonard is a, is a defensive whiz and he has turned, you know, solid players in NFL guys. And he's, you know, I, I do think head coaching is in his future, whether it's at Wisconsin or somewhere else, mm-hmm. but, but Part of the success of his defense is, is the keep away the offense does with time of possession. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're going to have a, a generally better scoring defense, obviously, and you both know this, if your offense is, is holding the ball 37 minutes a game. Yep. And that's so when that's out of whack and you got, you got a, a guy like C.J. Stroud who comes in and can score in 15 seconds, it's just, you know, I, I keep going back to Ohio State game, but it, this program is not equipped to beat teams like Ohio State. We could have played that game 100 times, we lose 100 times. So that doesn't mean we can't run the table and, and, and play them again. But I just I, – and this is one of the things I said in that thread you talked about. We're just not at a place right now. Maybe maybe in a cold game in Madison, and, you know, we could, we could sneak one out. But playing them on a turf field somewhere is just – it's mm-hmm. going to be really tricky with the current personnel on this team. And, and I, I don't want to keep ranting here, but we talked about recruiting a little bit. Yep. Wisconsin, this is just this is a, a mind-blowing statistic. 6 out of 10, 60% of the 10 highest rated rivals, recruits in the rivals era, are on this Wisconsin roster right now. 60% of them. So people talk about recruiting is down. The problem is when you're playing teams like Ohio State, they're setting their own records. And I think we had something like they have more five star, two more five stars in two of their recent recruiting classes than Wisconsin has had in program history. So despite our recruiting, Generally trending up, although Holy we fuck. can talk about twenty-two and twenty-three not being great. Um, the gap is still widening, and that's part of the problem too. And it's so it's almost like it's an unfair competition. I don't want to. I don't want to sell the Wisconsin Badgers short because they're a good team, a talented team with a lot of competitive kids. But Ohio State is like an NFL team. This was. I said. I said in one of my tweets during the game. This is like watching a combine. I mean, this is just. And they were. They were down guys.
3: I will tell you what, man. That was. Man, that completely changed my mindset, uh, especially with uh, the NIL now, where you can pay yeah. guys. Yeah. Some of these, some of these programs are going to be run kind of like semi-pro teams, and that's and we're we're having another one join us, you know, in a few years in USC. Because <laughs> USC is always a popular spot, we're probably going to get shellacked by them for a few years, you know, just because people are going to want to go play at Southern Cal. In, in California, get paid, you know, look cool. Lincoln Riley's the hot new coach still. So, I mean. Yeah. We'll, uh, see. Yeah, yeah. we'll it's... see. I
0: don't think it's inevitable. I think, you know, there is some, especially for the, the super high end recruits that are expecting to leave after three years. That's a hugely appealing thing. And I understand the allure of Los Angeles and their NIL money, but Hey, you know, and I know they're better now, but like watching UCLA stadiums, in US, it's just, the college experience isn't there, and going and playing in a 10 percent full Rose Bowl or a you know even with a great team a 60 percent full stadium on the USC's campus, there's just something. that There's certain kids, the kind of kids we recruit, I think, in some ways, that that's going to matter to them. That yeah. seems like a weird generic yeah. answer, but we're but let's be honest, we're not going after the five star wide receivers. You know the Caleb Williams thing, and you know I I, I know pretty much everything, but you know <laughs> to give you to give you some insight. That wasn't just nothing. He was seriously considering the Badgers. That wasn't. I mean, that was that was legitimate. And you know, there's never been a full accounting for why he ended up choosing USC. But I think you don't have to be in the Mensa Society to realize that the opportunities that he had there from an NIL perspective uh, certainly were a huge factor in that. And And, following his coach, yeah, and he's following his own coach, and he he's been successful in a system. You know, you know that maybe who knows what? Yes, I know Ingram is a family friend and all that, and he would have. And, and don't get me wrong, Caleb Williams would have been highly successful in Madison too. I, think I he
2: threw been. that out in January before yeah. it was like March, and they're like, Caleb Williams is actually considering Wisconsin, and I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah, like let me be proven right from two months ago <laughs> that I predicted this, and it got yeah. so close, it just didn't happen. It, it I was think so the USC close. thing. Does is by USC and UCLA coming into the Big Ten and playing the Badgers? Um, potentially once or twice a year, is it puts some West Coast exposure on Wisconsin. So, yep. you know, those teams both, both probably won't be in Camp Randall in the same year. It'll probably be one in Camp Randall, and, and then, the, you know, the Badgers those will go there. to the other one. Mm-hmm. But that's at least once a year that USC people have the opportunity to see a game in Camp Randall and see what, you know, see what jump around looks like. Yeah. See Camp Randall is just absolutely packed, even though it's zero degrees outside. And yep. I think that there's some exposure there, that UCLA and USC coming to the Big Ten does actually potentially benefit the Badgers in the future
3: as far as recruiting. I hope we play them in November.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's a, that's a really good point as far as exposure. And, you know, it's just, you it, know, it all kind of – the recruiting thing, I think we just have to, you know, I touched on this again, that thread, but, you know, the NLL stuff. And, and and there's no question Wisconsin's recruiting department was down for a couple of years. They, we did not have the, the staff or resources. And we're now just starting to dig out of that. And it's, you know, we're, we're the 50th ranked class right now for 23. That's not acceptable. That's not. I mean, that's even in the in the, in the compared to our, our normal, quote, unquote, normal Wisconsin recruiting classes from 20, you know, 2020 or pardon me, 2002 to when we started going up a little bit in late you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, that that's low for us. And we still make it rebound with a couple dudes, but we can't get a quarterback to come here. I mean, this is just, so it's, I think anything that can get us exposed to these kids on the West coast, more than we already are, I think is, is going to be helpful. But, you know, ultimately I was saying this proofs in the pudding. So if Wisconsin is a successful program and a, a good quarterback thinks there's a system where he can come in and be successful, whether he has NFL aspirations or not. It'll take care of itself. It's never going to be. We're never going to outglamor those kind of programs. We're never going right. to. We're not in Alabama. We're never going to be in Alabama. It's just the way it is. We're never going to be Ohio State. That's just the way it is. And and people would be pissed at me for saying that. Yeah. But you know, these are the people who have this this clouded memory of some era of Wisconsin football where we were this elite destination place for all these. It, it, even under me, who's fucking amazing. It was never, it never, ever, ever was like that. We were a highly successful school who got kids, got educations, put a bunch of kids in the pros. We've never been ever Ohio State where they are now. It's never even been close. So, you know, I I don't want to be negative, but that doesn't mean we can't win. It doesn't, but things have, things are just going to, you know, let's just see how it goes this year and we'll, we'll reevaluate. I think
2: another thing that could potentially make a difference is the, the looser transfer portal rules. So the Badgers didn't have a huge impact on as far as the transfer portal is concerned, but they did bring in three experienced cornerbacks from the transfer portal. So it's, you know, the door is opening there. So I think, you know, as far as, you know, you're talking about recruiting too. And we talked about like what the West coast opening up could do. Like I feel that the door is opening for Wisconsin and the football program specifically not closing.
3: Well, I and the playoffs gotta remember that, that too, that's yeah. that's extra exposure right there yeah. if they can just have a year where they lose you know we're going 10 and 2 we're in the big 10 championship game and say ohio state's not there for some odd reason and you know we you know michigan won last year and michigan's still pretty good this year Let's not count that. Let's not count that out. Now I'm just saying yeah, you only have to get um, into the top twelve, not the top four. Exactly. Right. So I mean, that's something to think about too with quarterback recruits.
0: Well, we would have had, and you know, with that top 12, twelve, we would have had two or three uh, college football playoff teams in the last ten years. So yeah. I mean, if that would have been the expanded field, So, people forget. But you know, getting ahead of ourselves. I mean, we. This is an interesting rest of the year, and I, I, I say let's let's see what, what can happen, how this team develops. There's a huge wide range of, of outcomes that could happen. And look, mm-hmm. one of those outcomes, as much as I hate uh, Russian mobster looking P.J. Flack, I'm not sure what happened to his face, but he um, looks like a Russian mobster. No, I don't want to tell you. Um, but <laughs> is, it, is it bad to say that? I don't know. I don't think it is.
3: Can I steal that? <laughs> he looks, he looks like a I Russian argue Lodge. with a lot of Minnesota fans, man. So oh, they, they
0: know it too. They, know, You know what? Maybe it isn't even him. And the reason I think it might not be him is that they're really good.
3: Yeah, they're, for real, dude. That defense is – they're really good on defense. Yeah, they're they, – look, I mean – and and
0: someone – I saw somewhere in, the, in someone's thread pointing out this is that they returned a ton of experienced players.
4: Yeah.
0: Uh, and, which is – that's a there's a high correlation of Big Ten West success with experienced players, Wisconsin has benefited from that. And with Minnesota, they're I mean, I hate to, I, I hate to say this, whoever imposter coach might be coaching them, they're a freaking good team this year. I'm not yeah. saying they're going to, you know, go and blow win the Big Ten West and blow Ohio State out in Indy. I'm just saying this is probably the best Minnesota team that I can remember. So, it, hope hopefully I say that and I curse them when they lose six games. It doesn't mean we can't beat them, but you know, I, I just think it's it's we're dealing with. Some old dudes, I, as I said, like Tanner Morgan.
4: Yeah. I, I
0: think it's it's exciting that in 10 years, his grandkids can look back on the season and watch and watch some <laughs> of the highlights. <laughs> I know,
3: was going to say, I, isn't that guy like 40 years old at this point? Fuck this yeah, guy. actually. He's uh, only like
2: he's gonna, a 17th year senior. Come on, guys. People didn't
0: know this. Jordan Bohannon was his godfather at his confirmation. <laughs> so that tells you how old he is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But but uh, you know look it, it, you know I'll, I'll call it what it is and I you know yes I understand you know PJ Fleck is is uh, still one game under 500 as he enters the sixth season in the Big, in Big Ten play that's not great that's not I wouldn't I wouldn't have cut it with me but he has put them in a position this season to to be the best Minnesota team they've had we're gonna we're gonna have our hands full and we play them in November but my God please don't have them please don't have Minnesota win the Big Ten West I just uh, I, I feel like. I know, Justin's Who's the ring company? The ring and the banner companies are going to be excited for all that. But you know, it's because Black likes to do that stuff. But it will be the the like winning. It would be like Alabama winning ten national titles would be the Minnesota equivalent of them winning the Big yeah. Ten. West and playing in Indy. So, my God, please no.
2: I I remember what was a Kirk Herb that picked a, that picked Nebraska. <laughs> Yeah, Big Ten West. Yeah, bro. <they're-> Her, <laughs>
0: Some of that spray tan got to his brain, but yeah, I you know that was I I, I think actually Corso whispered it in his ear,
3: but uh, <laughs> sense, course, but, he, he gets a pass because he's 109. So,
0: of course, Corso is he he actually is only four years older than Bohannon. So, <laughs> say what you. I mean, Bohannon's aged really well. People, you know, people would say Brad Davidson, Jordan. Uh, they're the same guy. Brad Davison is like a normal-aged college senior last year. The guy was like, he barely had his driver's license. He's amazing. <laughs> they're trying to compare him to Jordan Bohannon, who could, who could, you know, was around the '60s doing doing human Missile Crisis drills. But uh, yeah, you know, it's fine. I, 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 we could talk basketball some other time. I love talking basketball, so we can.
3: Oh, dudes! Another another we're getting day. there. Yeah, yeah, we're getting. There. We we can have you on. We have uh, we have a buddy uh, named Mike Yoder, and he's just. I mean, even even more than like the pro sports in the state, you know, in Wisconsin, which is very rare. But he's all Wisconsin, all Badgers, all day, seven days a week, three sixty-five. He's and we call him our Badger expert. Love to have you on with him, man, because you guys would just go. We, back yeah, and we
2: forth. do. We do primers before every all of the season starts, and we kind of go uh-huh. through the roster and and make record predictions, and uh, you know, pick some guys that we think are going to be like you know the the team MVPs and things like that. So um, that'll probably be sometime in the middle towards the end of October probably about a week or so before the season starts so I mean if you're up for coming back we'd love to have you back for that that would be fun
0: yeah I mean I I'm, I'm gonna buy, buy another Spanish wine island about that time but I can jet in it's no big deal I own three so um <laughs> and who how, how do you spell this dude's name
3: Mike Yoder it's a J- Yoder J o d d a r.
0: Okay, not Yoder, like Y-O-D-E-R, the ex-graduate no, no, no. coach. Okay, okay.
3: <laughs> I, I mean,
0: I figured it wasn't him. I know, I know Steve is uh, of advanced years, but Mikel can't be young and handsome like me. But, you know, it's, it's – uh, yeah, that's great. I love to talk basketball. I, 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 won't, I won't get into it now, but I think mean, Gard has his team in the right – he does alternate between winning Big Ten titles and having a season where everyone wants to fire him, then winning a Big Ten title. But I, I think hopefully he'll get that, that firing thing out of it.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is, you know, there's all these fire everybody all the time, but you know, you got to have somebody that is going to be a good replacement, bringing somebody in in the middle of a season, yeah. just puts that person in an even tougher position,
0: well, and, whether it be you know,
2: Jim Leonard or somebody else.
0: Right. And I, and I think, and we, we talked about this earlier, but another thing people don't quite appreciate because tweeting is free is that firing coaches require reco- Cost money and a lot of money. Talk to Nebraska if you want. If you want to learn about you know, talk to talk to Trev Elbers I mean, it, this this is a it's insanely expensive. And even if and I, it, there was a reason, and Chris went 0 12 this season, and it was it's not cheap. And then the question is, who are you going to get? Are you going to get Jim Leonard? Jim Leonard's never coached a team. Jim Jim Leonard's first coaching mm-hmm. job was a secondary coach for Paul Chris for two years right and then he, then he took over DC after uh, Randall left but yep. uh, you, you know I'm not saying that Paul uh, that Leonard can't be a great college coach and he very well maybe he's got a great mind I love his schemes but there's nothing sure about that mm-hmm. between the two of them Paul Chris is a sure thing if we're looking at who's a sure thing coach, maybe yeah. the upside isn't isn't quite as high but I, I just it astounds me that people these 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 Twitter warriors who are tw- these Twitter ads I call them who who have <laughs> all the money in the world and then kind of like when they wanted to fire a guard, there's gonna be this yeah. long list of incredible coaches that just can't wait to come to Wisconsin and try and recruit in a place where there isn't a three star recruit in the class for for the entire state. I mean a full star recruit. I mean it's it's just it's mind boggling to me, but that's that's why you know Twitter's free. So
3: <laughs> Yeah. You know what I well? I- Oh, you got I got to say it? one thing. Oh, I got to say two things. This is why I hate being generalized. You know, not just with Badgers, but with Packers and Bucks, you know, because yep. fucking other fans just ruin it for me and I can't have an intelligent conversation with a rival fan cuz they're like, "Oh, you're a, you're a Bucks fan? Oh, you must be you must love Giannis and if you didn't have Giannis, it's just like, yeah, obviously Giannis is the the best, but I don't want to talk about that right now. It's just it's annoying as hell. So I wanted to ask you a question real quick cuz you're oh, a smart yeah. guy.
0: Take your Hey, thanks. I love, I love compliments. (laughs)
3: So
0: some some people have suggested my ego isn't, isn't big enough yet. And I need to work on it. So (laughs) I'm happy to, I'm happy to do that. Do that beta testing here.
3: Well, I have a girlfriend, so I'm very good at giving compliments, even if I don't mean them. (laughs) I hope she's not watching right now. (laughs) This guy's a smart guy. Oh, don't worry. She's not watching. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. No, I hear my, I hear my daughter walking around, so I don't think she is, but, (laughs) uh, So the Badgers schedule the rest of the season, you know, even with Michigan State on there and they've, like I said, fallen flat on their face, a lot of winnable games. Do you think it is possible? And and you can give me like a percentage if you want to. um, Do you think it's possible that we go against Minnesota at nine and two?
0: Yeah, I I think it's, 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 it's not likely, but it's possible. And, you know, there, there isn't a game the rest of the season that I can see at, at least at this point that I wouldn't consider them, you know, at least a coin flip, yeah. um, you know, but that's having that happen and going in and winning them. I mean, there's also by the, by the flip side, there isn't a game and the rest of the season schedule that they could not potentially lose. So that's, that's what's not, not suggesting they're going to lose games. I'm just saying they, they're all there's no, there are no gimmies in that entire, you know, entire bag, True. True. but it would not, I wouldn't be stunned to be playing, uh, Minnesota for the Axe. Uh, not for the Axe, of course, it's going to be for the Axe, but uh, for the uh, spot in the Big Ten Championship. I wouldn't be stuck. Yay, Ohio State.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, are you going to be at the game on uh, Saturday? This Saturday?
0: Oh, I'm at every game. I, I, you know, every game that I can be at. You, know, I, you might have seen, I was at uh, down in Dallas this week when Jake got his first, uh, first catches as an NFL superstar. <laughs> um for the cow, for the Cowboys. And uh, you know, I think I threw a couple of the Peyton Hender shot that, that bone from Indiana when, when Jake's doing the hard work he in blocking people in this this Indiana goofball keeps getting the throws. But anyway, Jake did have a couple catches. So but yeah, I'll I will i will be there and, and uh, uh, you know it's now Barry Over's field, which I, I kinda say it always has been since nineteen ninety, but um, <laughs> you know it's it's great and, and uh, just damn it, get those kids in there. And the one thing they changed, I, I just can't stand it. Open up the student section. and Let those kids knock each other over their drunk asses over to get to whatever seats they For want real, bro. For Open real. up these stupid orderly lines where you get humiliated in the national TV because you don't have kids sitting there till four minutes left in the first quarter. End that shit now. It's done hundred
3: yeah, percent by decree
0: of the dawn.
3: I understand <laughs> saying,
0: starting with what well, we I I feel bad because you guys have to move on, but we could have talked about Brett Bielema and 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 the uh all, the, all the, the the buffet stress. There's going to be this, this weekend in Madison, but you know it's it's just uh, it, it's let the kids be kids. You know instead of this orderly. Yes. Yeah, if you want to pay the the big bucks for the forty yard line seats and, and sit in your hands all game, that's one thing. But you get these kids in there because it's 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 embarrassing.
3: You do not sit during the game. I hate that too. We're we could have a whole conversation about that at Packers games. I got yelled at at Bucks games. It's like, dude, I paid a lot of fucking money for this shit. I work hard for my money. Yeah. I want to stand up and be loud as hell.
0: That's right. That'd be great. And and you know, I I'm well, I say I call plays during the game. Still, the the plays that work are the ones that I call. So, <laughs> that, the the, Bray, the Braylon Allen ADR touchdown uh, that that uh, gave Good us call, twenty one points. I did call, call it, again. Yeah, I said no. We're not taking them out because Stroud was in the previous series. I'm like, we're gonna, we're gonna do this, and and you know, it worked. And but that's fine. I'm not. I, I don't want to step on any. I don't want to step on Ingram's toes. <laughs> if they need me, I'm here. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate oh.
2: you jumping on with us. Uh, we'd love to have you yeah, back. Man. It's it's fun to talk to you. Um, yep. appreciate your time and, and taking the time to join us and and have some discussion about some of these things that. People just blindly complain about because they're just looking for something to complain about. So we appreciate it.
0: You no, know, it's fun to be here, and like I said, to the to all the the real Badger fans, keep keep the faith. I mean, your 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 sense of foreboding right now is not totally insane, and there are definitely things to fix, program wise and otherwise. But we have a pretty good track record at this school, and we didn't just fall off the rails. It's going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. And uh, hey, let so you know, I sent sent a bottle of my finest sherry wine to both of you. Uh you'll be you'll be getting that uh probably next few days.
3: Hey, thanks, buddy. Appreciate <laughs>
0: it. You, you gotta be your secret stash.
3: <laughs> you said you have a
0: daughter, so clearly you probably need to drink some wine periodically. Uh, well, I need a lot of shit. <laughs> I got two daughters. I'm just kidding, <laughs> my daughters are wonderful. And, I must say and sons and everything. I got all that. All right, very good. Well, I'm gonna go research, I'm gonna go uh, Wikipedia uh Joe Ferguson to figure out who he is. But uh thanks for having <laughs> me on. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it.
3: Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> That guy was awesome. That was funny. Uh, I didn't expect him to have. Uh, man, I did not <laughs> expect him to have that much swagger. I really. did. was. He said, "TJ awesome.
2: Fleck looks like a Russian mobster." That shit was funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Um, so we have the, we have the Ohio State game. Like, I don't think we need to get super in depth with it. Like, people know what happened. Um, I do want to do the three stars and our underrated performer because I want to stir the pot a little more. So, that said, uh, I will let you go ahead and give your three stars, and then we'll do our underrated performer. But um, let's do that, and then we can talk about Illinois.
3: Okay. So, uh, three stars. First one's going to be Braylon Allen, obviously. Um, When uh, 23 carries, 165 yards, and a touchdown, he broke the 75-yarder. I'm still waiting for him to have, like, a game, you know, where it's like, oh, damn, Braylon Allen had a fucking game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. um just where it feels like his game i'm a, my second one is gonna be torsio Um, gonna give you a little credit you called that yeah i did and he he's a good safety he flies around makes tackles he's not a he's not afraid to stick his nose in there and he's a pretty good ball hawk um obviously he has a hundred yard pick six so that's pretty that's damn good, good. Did um next one i had a i had trouble man i was i did too but i picked the guy i picked for a reason The guy that I picked is Graham Mertz. Me too. The reason I picked him is because when I was watching that game, okay, I'm going to be very careful how I word this. Tyler used a great word last week, adversity. And adversity is such a great word. You can use it in your daily life. You can use it in sports. He didn't shy away from adversity. He still went out there and he still played the game as if it was a zero-zero game. And that is exactly what you want. He went out there as a leader. You know, we're licking our wounds. It is what it is. You know, and you obviously just heard Mr. Alvarez talk about it. It's still one loss. It's one. That's true. It counts as one loss. Yeah, yeah. we got we got our, we got dragged. It, and, you know, and I actually I, I put it out there and I said, is this what it feels like to be a Bears fan when they play the Packers? Because <laughs> because now I understand. Oh, you know, I, I understand. Ohio State is good every every year. They always have good quarterback play in terms of college. Obviously, we know they are not very good in the pros.
2: That's, that's <laughs> Justin <true>.
3: Fields. <laughs> Just looking at you. how do hell- he's
2: going to – I said this. I said it Friday. I stand by it. Sunday was a perfect example. He is going to be the next Terrell Pryor, who is a quarterback that converts to wide receiver. Bro, how the
3: hell do you have the least amount of attempts and you're still the highest of off-target passes? That – is a recipe for you fucking suck. There's, I'm sorry, I, I can't beat her on the bush anymore. You throw the least amount of times, oh, and you have the highest man. percent of passes, uncatchable. <laughs> you fucking suck. And Bears fans are like, oh well, at least he's admitting he sucks. What the fuck does that do? We're, what does that do? Okay,
2: congrats.
3: We all know you suck, Justin. Congratulations on self-awareness. <laughs> Jesus Christ bears fans, um, man they cling to anything i swear to god they cling to any little positive note anyways um so i put graham mertz out there because you know i think he showed a lot of mental toughness by going out there and continuing to that's, play. that's a good
2: point so i went with graham mertz as well for my third one i did also go with braylon allen and john torchio for my other two i was Grant with graham mertz because he did score two touchdowns so out mm-hmm. of the 21 points he was responsible for 14 of them mm-hmm. um I said this to you, that I think he passes the eye test more than he passes the box score test. Yes. Um, Scary Alvarez in his his long-threaded tweets, which you definitely should check out if you haven't seen it on Twitter, is you know, he struggles with with ranked opponents. It's just a fact. But, a few things during this game that he did that, like Jake said, the mental toughness is, is really something that's worth bringing up, but he also made a really good throw, a really good third down throw to Skylar Bell. He got hit as he threw to Skylar Bell, and they converted on a third down for a first down. Mm-hmm. Um, that and then the pass that he made to Skylar Bell right before halftime, that's that was a dime of a throw. Yeah. It went right through Skylar Bell's hands, and you know that's that on its own. He catches that. That's a what, like a forty-yard touchdown, thirty-five-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're talking about two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. We're talking about Graham Mertz having three touchdowns in this game. And then that, flip that also to the miscommunication with DK. That was, it's an unfortunate thing. So I, I would put a little bit of blame on both of them, um, just to the point of not having the, the communication to know who's going which direction, whether he's going to be breaking out towards the sideline or in towards yeah. the middle of the field. Graham Mertz thought he was breaking in. If Kim Ray DK breaks in, say that pass gets completed. Say that pass gets incompleted and he doesn't throw the interception. That play alone, by flipping just that play, the Badgers would have won the turnover battle.
3: Yeah, that was key on the road. The Badgers now, were
2: still even in the turnover battle, despite that.
3: Remember, I said this yesterday. I actually give a little bit of credit to Mertz with this, you know, because people, and this is this is people that, you know, know football. You know, you're taught as a quarterback to feel pressure and to throw on time. Like, a lot of these routes are timing routes. Right. And like you said to your point of giving, you know, you know, blaming it on DK as well, maybe he thought DK was going to sit. You know, he he's right. timing it in his head. Okay, boom, he's going to be right here at this time. Boom, I'm going to throw it. Yep. You know, that's something where they're going to have to work on, and I'm okay with dealing with those growing pains right now. Right. I mean, it sucks that it happened on national TV. But, you know, it's better that it happened there. Sometimes people that get your ass whooped, you wake up from that. You know? And we're pro and I feel like we're gonna go against Minnesota at nine and two. I really, I truthfully do. Like, I don't think this this team this year is gonna have a slip up against Northwestern. Like now that they've had two losses and they already had their slip up. They had
2: their slip up and they had their their a little bit. Their little
3: matched game. They had their outmatched matched
2: game and they had their slip up. So I think I think they on out. They'll be, they'll be the typical Wisconsin that just consistently handles business. Yeah. They'll beat um, Illinois
3: on Saturday. And then, yeah. you know, people. So on and so forth. I horrible bit. this year. I was going to get clapped by Michigan yeah. this week. um, And then, you know, we play Nebraska, who's obviously bad this year. Northwestern. <clears throat> Michigan State is the only game where, and I know that's the game that he was alluding to when he said a coin flip, you know, because right. Michigan State's still a pretty good team. Um, they were ranked 11th coming into the season, for, for God's sakes. So that's still a tough game, and it's at Michigan State, which really, yeah. really makes me point flip. If it was at yep. Madison, I'd feel pretty confident. But, you know, if they can get through that game, I could see us 9-2 easily. And who knows? Um, I haven't looked at Minnesota's schedule that closely, but if they're undefeated, that could be a big-boy game.
2: True. Um, what's up Tyler? If you, if you didn't watch like the last chunk of the show, we had scary Alvarez. I don't know if you're really active on Twitter or not Tyler, but he's, he was fun to have on, um, before I give my underrated performer, I do want to give credit to Ohio state. Um, I think arguably the biggest credit out of anybody who played well in this game. I think the Ohio state offensive line gets lost in the transition to this Ohio state's offensive line played very well. So I do want to give credit to that. You know, Nick Herbig couldn't get in the backfield. Um, Keanu Benton couldn't really get in the backfield. They picked up all the stunts. It, it seemed like Ohio State's offensive line really controlled the trenches. So I do want to give credit where it's due um, just because that's, that's what we do on the show. We give credit. We don't just say, you know, everything that we did sucked and that was it. Um, it's, you know. You know, it's it's credit where it's due is, is what I'm doing um, but that being said my underrated performer I went with Isaac Garendo. Um, he had a reception for 19 yards and he had three receptions actually or three returns I should say three kick returns for 82 yards so yeah. you know some pretty decent work in the return game I mean obviously you know in a game like this where there's not a ton of really exciting things to bring up I do think Isaac Garendo did pretty well
3: yeah I went with Skyler Bell um, he had the four receptions for 55 yards. Um, I went a little bit based off potential because if you would have caught that long one, um, which in my eyes, that was a phenomenal play by the safety. Um, and I told, I told this to lots of people. That is what a five-star safety looks like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A guy that can, you know, go right down the middle of the field, take away that, that middle third, flip his hips. That was an elite hip flip, locate the freaking football and then knock it out on the sideline. And that was a good throw. Yes, it was. It wasn't perfect, but that was a damn good throw. And for that safety to be able to make a play on that, you know, it is what it is. But I still think Skyler Bell – I mean, Mikey might have been right. Skyler Bell might be the guy. He's – he might be the guy. I mean, we're going to find – I <sighs> – I'm getting jumbled up here because I have so many thoughts that I just want to get out at one time. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm excited to go to the Illinois game after they got the ass whooping because I get it, I get to see in person how they respond. This, this is where you find the men from the boys.
2: So let's talk about it. Let's talk about Illinois. Let's talk about the Badgers' offense against Illinois' defense.
3: Illinois' defense is fucking fool's gold, and I don't give a shit when anybody tells me. Yeah, I agree. Wyoming. Virginia and Chattanooga is the reason that it looks good on paper.
2: Even Indiana. Like, Indiana is not a – they're not beating the door down on football,
3: college football greatness. And they lost that quarterback that was good for them last year. So, losing to Indiana, I mean, that kind of tells me everything. Um, The Badgers still average 34.8 points per game, uh, 433 yards, 221 pass yards, 211 rush yards and they still convert 46% of their third downs, which is good for 35th in the country. Um, Illinois defense looks phenomenal on paper. I will not lie to you. This is where where stats are a little misleading, in my opinion. Stats only tell part of the story, right?
2: It's harder in college football where there's 125 teams than it is in the NFL where there's 32.
3: Yeah, and I think it's easier access to watch the NFL, where college, like, Fucking where the hell is I supposed to watch Illinois versus Chattanooga? And no, I do not want to watch it. I'm just saying <laughs> as to make a point. Yeah. Um, so they're giving up eight points per game. I mean, over, you know, like I said, Wyoming, Virginia, and Chattanooga, they gave up nine points. Versus the one opponent, they gave up 20 points. So yeah. they gave up 20 points to Indiana, nine points the other three games. They're giving up eight points on average. 234 yards, 147 pass, 87 rush. And only 25% of third downs. That's ninth best in the country right now. Yeah. That will change after Saturday. Yes. That's all I'm going to say.
2: The Badgers convert um, 47% of their third downs. Yep. 23rd in the country. Um, Illinois' defense is ninth in conversions allowed. Yeah. So, you know, Illinois doesn't have a great pass rush. They're 73rd in the country in sacks, but they do have the lowest completion percentage allowed. Again, you're – you know, the teams you play against will will change that. So they allow a 42.6 completion percentage. Graham Mertz is at 63. Mm-hmm. So I think that's gonna skew in the Badgers' favor. Um the Badgers, this is interesting. This is something I really wasn't expecting. The Badgers are actually 16th in yards per pass. Yeah. At 9.3. So Graham Mertz is actually doing pretty good job of passing the ball downfield, and it would be even better given the two that Marcus Allen dropped, he had one in in each of the first two games, he had some drops on some balls that I thought were catchable. And you throw in that Skylar Bell one. Um, And not only that, there was a play earlier in that Ohio state game where uh, Graham Mertz just had too much pressure in his face and he had to unload a deep ball. I think it was Keontez Lewis who had a step on two Ohio state defenders and it just ended up being overthrown. Yeah. Like he was behind the defense. So like, you know, The Badgers aren't doing a ton of intermediate passing. That was kind of Clay Cundiff's thing, and, you know, he's probably done for the year. But, you know, the Badgers, they have a little bit of a sneaky downfield attack.
3: You're used to ground and pound, but, yeah, we've been throwing a lot of deep shots so far. Yeah.
2: Um, So, the matchup that I'm watching, I'm still watching Graham Mertz. Because like I said, I believe he passes the eye test better than he passes the box score test. So I'm still watching Graham Mertz. I don't know if that's the matchup you're watching as well.
3: Yeah. Um, again, for the, the psychological reasons, um, I want to see how he responds. Um, he mm. was at, he was on the road. Um, and he was in my three stars for, you know, going out there and playing courageously. Um, let's see him have a good game and, I, I want to see him ball out, you know, spin that motherfucker mm-hmm. like I was saying a couple of weeks ago. So, I'm looking at Graham Mertz as well. He's not my X factor, but he, I, I he like is. your
2: I like your narrative of a bounce back game too. I think that's interesting. Switching to the Badgers' defense against Illinois' offense, I think, like Jake said, there are, some of their stats are a little misleading due to their opponents. But um, <laughs> Illinois does have the ninth most rushes per game. They run the ball on average 46 times a game. That's a lot. I yep. think the Badgers run the ball a lot. That's a lot. Yep. Um, they're 14th in uh, rush yards per game with 225 yards rushing per game. The Badgers are only allowing 143. Yep. So that'll be interesting to see. They're 99th in yards per pass. So I brought up the Badgers being 16th in yards per pass. Illinois is 99th.
3: That's so. That's how you know, like, they're not yep. very good. To me, that suggests
2: that the Badger cornerbacks can play close to the line of scrimmage because they're not looking to throw the ball downfield, whether it's from a lack of opportunity or just a lack of talent. I think the latter is a little more true um, because if you're playing Chattanooga, like I have a feeling the opportunities to throw the ball deep are there. And you're just. <laughs> Sorry, not Chattanooga. Doing it. But. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Badgers do allow the seventh lowest completion percentage. Illinois' completion percentage is about 67%. Uh, the Badgers are allowing just over 51%. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I am looking at is interceptions, and I'm going to get back to this in a second. Uh, Illinois turns the ball over interceptions about 2% of their passes. The Badgers intercept passes at 7%. Yeah, we have a bunch of people with picks. That's that's a lot of interceptions. That's a high percentage. But uh, I'll let you talk about the Badgers off or the Badgers defense against uh, Illinois' offense, and then give me your
3: matchup. Uh, So the thing that I'm going to to focus on here is the third down percentage. Uh, People were freaking out after the Ohio State game because Ohio State was very down seven of eleven, I believe it was. But the Badgers'
2: identity too. That's nothing new. Oh, That's not right. anything the Badgers just allowed them to do. They were 11 of 13 the week before.
3: Right. Um, the Badgers, you know, they allow they they only allow 35%, you know, and I say only, which is 45th in the country, by the way, tied with a bunch of teams. Last year, you know, everybody thought that defense was so great, and it was, you know, we had a lot of, you know, and to Alvarez's point, he talked about, you know, experienced players. We have a lot of experienced players. So last year – we were fifth in third-down percentage at the end of the season, and we only gave up 29%. So, you know, mm. just hold your horses a little bit. The third-down we'll percentage the will trickle down as bigger. we play lesser opponents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the thing that I wanted to point out. And mm. my matchup I'm watching is Chase Brown. That's their running back. Um, you stole a little bit of my thunder, but I'm glad that you brought it up. I'm glad I wasn't the only one thinking about it. All their rushing and what they do. And Bielema is kind of that guy. He runs the ball a lot. Um, he's very Wisconsin-esque in that way. Um, first the Wisconsin inside linebackers, because to me, they both had piss poor games. Um, they weren't getting deep enough in their pass sets. Uh when they were flowing to the line, they weren't watching the ball. I mean, that freaking play fake where the tight end went wide open. I was just like,
2: are you fucking that dude's gonna be in the NFL? Like, I'm watching him and like, you know, we're we're past the results of you know, the badgers coming back to win. So I you know, I start watching for more, you know, intangible things, and it's like I kind of want that dude in the Packers. I'm not gonna lie.
3: Dude, he's athletic as hell.
2: Um, like last year, seeing Jeremy Ruckert coming out of Ohio State, it's like I don't want to touch that guy
3: with a 10 foot pole. Seeing Stover, like he looked he looked real good. Bro, um, he's a converted linebacker. That's crazy. But you know, Jordan Turner, and I'm not even gonna try to say the other guy's name. That's Njong Meta. In Jug Meta. I have it written down. I'm still not gonna try it. It looks like puke on my paper, but uh it, they gotta play better. You know, that's, point blank period. Guy. They they gotta play better.
2: I put in Jung meta because he did so well tackling against New Mexico State, and I'm hyping him up and you know he's he's the badgers leading tackler he's got twenty tackles through three games, and then against Ohio State it seemed like he just kind of forgot how to
3: tackle. Um he still was the leading tackler, but yeah, they were he all could down. Have had more, <laughs> yeah.
2: he could have had more. There were some broken tackles, especially in that first drive, where it's just like, okay, yep, they just march right down. Yeah. Um, and some, so I'm looking to see, I'm watching Injong Meta to see if he can, kind of correct
3: that. So, um, that said, who is your X factor? So my X factor is Braylon Allen. Um, okay. and I kind of alluded to this before, but I'm I. Just waiting for him to have a Braylon Allen game. You know, a game where you just like, Br- I remember watching that game because Braylon Allen fucking owned.
2: Like,
0: he, 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 you, want him, to have a, to you
2: want him to have a traditional Wisconsin running back game where he has
3: like 25 yards and four touchdowns kind of thing. Not, I, th- I think we need it. Like, honestly, like, I think the fan base needs it. I think the team needs it to first for some energy. Like, yeah. it just feels like a necessity at this point, not even just a want for my own. You know, selfish needs, it feels yeah. like a necessity. So I'm really looking for Braylon Allen to dominate a, a lesser opponent in Illinois.
2: I went with John Torchio, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned those interception rates for a reason the Badgers are they're intercepting the ball at seven percent of passes. That's a lot, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I feel like John Torchio can swing momentum at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he did in week one when he had the 100 yard pick six, and I I'm just gonna pat myself on the back for calling it that John Torchio would would have CJ Stroud's first interception, and he did. Um, so I went with John Torchio. I feel like he can swing that momentum, and I just want to see if the Badgers can keep up a stupid high interception percentage.
3: That's that's very fair. I mean, I would love to watch a hundred yard pick six, I won't lie to you.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm totally there for that. Um,
3: <laughs> give me give me your key to victory for this one. Run the ball, stop the run. They're gonna they're gonna want to run the damn ball. Um, I'm not counting those other games. I know they played them. I don't give a shit. So I looked at Chase Brown's um stats Ooh. versus Indiana, because that's the one viable opponent he had. He had 36 carries for 199 yards, 32 receiving yards that's and a so touchdown. Yeah, dude. Shit. Stop the run. Do not let the hold them to short gains. Um, and then let's get Braylon Allen cooking, get him some confidence again, and then we'll be good to go.
2: Derek Henry's going to try to get Mike Vrabel fired so that he can have Brett Bielema as his coach. You're right. He's <laughs> the ball to me 40 times. 36 carries. Andy, oh my God. That's I think insane. He had four
3: catches, too. So he touched the ball 40 fucking times. 40 touches.
2: Holy
0: hell.
3: Yeah.
2: All right. I went maybe, with maybe set maybe the tone early.
3: With
2: I want to set the tone the early. Let Illinois and Brett Bielema know who's in charge early. Uh, basically due to Illinois, what, what, what Ohio state did to Wisconsin is how I feel about it. So, um, just setting the tone early, letting them know that, Hey, you know, last week we were a little outmatched and we're back to show you that we're not just a pushover team that got beat by a, by a number three team in the country. So that said, we're going to two score predictions, one from the head, one from the heart. So give me your score prediction from the head, your more analytical position on your score prediction. So my prediction from
3: the head is 21 to 10.
2: 21 10. It's kind of low scoring, honestly. I, yeah. went, I went with a similar margin of victory, but for the head, I went 31-17. Ooh, okay. So give me your prediction from the heart.
3: You're going to love this. My prediction from the heart is 31-17. Oh, look at us.
0: <laughs>
2: I knew you were going to
3: love it. My prediction from the heart is very much similar
2: to the New Mexico State. game. My prediction from the heart is 56-21. Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wow. buying the – as as far as my heart is concerned, I'm buying the revenge game. I like what I've seen from Graham Mertz. I know so many people. Like, he's not it. He wouldn't be a Division three high school quarterback. And it's like, really? Like you gotta know you're saying dumb shit at that point, right? Like you gotta know that you're saying super dumb
3: shit, right? I mean, they are. They don't know that, which is why they're saying it. But oh, that's just because like, God, this is why I hate trolls. Because wow. there's actually dumb people that say stupid shit, and they don't. They don't know that they're that stupid because people have just be "Oh, you're that's trolling." Like just
0: two weeks ago, we played
3: in New Mexico State. They have two really
2: bad quarterbacks. Yeah. I bet they would love to have Graham Mertz. Yeah, they would. New Mexico State would love to have Graham Mertz in their program.
3: So, um,
2: that's, that's true. So, you know, the revenge narrative, coming off the big loss, you know, wanting to kind of release some of the frustration from that. Um, you know, you mentioned the Braylon Allen game. I'm looking at Graham Mertz. I mean, looking at the defense to see if they can bounce back. Um, that's why I went from the heart. You know, all things go right. I think this could be a blowout like that.
3: I could see it. I'm a little more conservative than I usually do.
2: That's fair. I mean, I, I get it. You know, especially coming off a loss where, you know, didn't feel like very many things went right. We're still going to come in. Guess what? We're still going to find positive takeaways. We found a way to put fucking Graham Mertz in our three stars after people were saying that he ain't it and he's a D3 high school quarterback. And we still Kinda found ways to put him into our three stars. And I we didn't put did we didn't talk about that before the show.
3: No. Um, like I said, I kind of did that to spite people because it's like are I you really did, that well, stupid? Like, like, are you really that stupid? Do you really think Graham Mertz sucks that bad? Like, come Listen. on. People.
2: All right, so here's the thing.
3: And I knew I knew we were gonna go to
2: this before the show. I talked to you about it yesterday already. And here's the thing. You know, we like to say That optimism is free. I said it to Ben Brust when he tweeted that he wasn't excited for the Badger game. That Graham Mertz was going to throw two touchdowns. And then he threw his interception, or throw two interceptions. And then he throws the first one. And he tweets out one. Like, really? You're really counting to be correct on your negative prediction? You really, you want to be right about that? You want to be right about the Brewers missing the playoffs so you can be like, Oh, I called it! You want that? You want that feeling. You're telling me that you want to feel right about predicting something negative about your team. Sign me up for the Brewers still have a chance way before you will ever find me saying, I hope the Brewers miss the playoffs because I said they would. Fuck that. Jake and I have this platform now. And, you know, we don't have a million followers. We have just shy of 5,000. But listen, we're not doing this strictly because we want to talk shit about our teams we've taken a mindset of wanting to find more ways to be optimistic and positive about our teams actually Mm
1: -hmm. and we
2: wanted that to translate to not only our lives but to others and you know we've had a couple examples of it in our in our comments and, and people that we've gotten to know from doing the show so you know it's not it's not a position where um you know, I, I, I can't wrap my head around why you want to be proved right about that shit. Why you want to be proved right about a negative prediction. I can't understand it. For the sake of arguing, that's why. Like Ego. I, We've talked about this before where it's like you would rather make a negative prediction or predict that something doesn't go well and be able to say I told you so more than you want to actually put some optimism in your team. And, you know, I get the, you know, people are trying to save themselves from a big letdown, but you're letting yourself down before the event even happens. Yeah. So you'd rather be down and have to be lifted up than to stay up and then, you know, deal with the potential of, you know, not meeting the, 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 the best expectations or the best possible outcome. You'd rather live worst case scenario and then have it get better. Like, why, why would you want to do that? And, you know, like I said, when Scary Alvarez was on, you know, I've I've been told that I believe in unicorns and fairies because I choose an optimistic mindset. I've Mm -hmm. been told that it's just coach talk or, you know, that it's sunshines and rainbows or my head is in the clouds. I would rather be that and be that positive and optimistic person and have my head in the clouds because the alternative is having your head in hell. And let me be honest with you. I am so fucking serious. I have been there so many fucking times that I will not go back to having my head in hell. I've, I've chosen to change it and I'm not going back to it. So if that's the only way you see it is being optimistic means you have your head in the clouds. Then
3: I guess that's where I'm at. Yeah. I hear you there, buddy. I hear you there. I don't even have anything to add. That was beautifully said. I, I I had a rant ready to go. Like I, I get
2: that the 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 uh, the amount of people that have responded negatively when I tell them, you know, you can be optimistic, it's okay, or you know, like the Brewers are not out of it, or you know, this could still happen, or you know, whatever it is. And, you know, people do the, you know, the heads in your clouds, or this is a dumbass post, you know, the Brewers are done or the Brewers are a 500 team, like all that stuff. You know, the number of people that have said stuff like that is low. But the fact of the matter is, is that the most negative voices are always, I shouldn't say always, but often the loudest. And people so desperately want to cling to their negativity that they will go out of their way to push it on you than to be open to the idea of changing your mindset to a positive and optimistic one. It's pretty fucking sad, isn't it? And that's, that's what Jake and I want to change. Honestly, you know, we're choosing to do it through the, the lens of Wisconsin sports analysis. And that, that's a, that's a weird vehicle to drive that bus with, but you know,
3: that's what we're doing. Cause that's what we know. And that's what Bucking we a, love. Fucking A. So fucking a man. That's how I feel about that. Fucking a, I fucking love sports, man. I do <laughs> seriously. And you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. We could just change one person's mind. Say, say we're only changing one person's mind every month. That's fucking twelve people we're having every fucking year, and that makes me goddamn proud. Okay, it makes that's, me feel good to make people. That's happen. cool.
2: Like honestly, like I feel cool if I tell people, you know, we're trying to improve improve the mental health of our viewers by having them you know hear us talk about wisconsin sports from an optimistic and positive Mm -hmm. viewpoint because there's there's not much of that out there there really isn't and you know when it comes to mainstream sports media all that shit is predicated on drama and disagreement and arguing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know we would we would prefer inclusion and respect to that um, uh, but unfortunately it's not always what leads people to click on your stuff cause they'd rather see the drama, but you know, that's what, that's what Jake and I are doing is, is going for the improvement and growth as opposed to the drama and arguing.
3: Yeah, man, we're just, uh, you know, we, we, we always talk shit on, uh, Wisconsin sports heroics. Um, but it's like, we're just being honest with our approach. We're being our genuine selves. Um, we haven't changed who we are on our personal social media pages. We're still ourselves. So this is the approach that we're taking and we're gonna trust it. And you know, maybe like Alvarez, maybe one day we'll win the Rose Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've we've had a couple we've had a
2: couple examples. You know, like Matt, I think is a is a really good example. He watches the show a lot of that he's come around on it, that he's changed his yeah. mindset from from all the negative takeaways to looking for positive takeaways. And that, that feels good. It, it feels good to make that impact on somebody. Yeah. Because if you can do that for your favorite Wisconsin sports teams, then you can translate it to your life. Like, you know, the hope is that we can change people's lives, which would be awesome.
3: One day our message will be spread across the world and we're going to be like fucking <laughs> filthy rich, like new Jeff Bezos, dude. I'm telling you,
2: I feel it. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully, you know, hopefully the the ability for us to be able to change the way that people think to help them have better lives. That's, that's the goal that yes, Jake and so. I are always going to work towards in addition to having, you know, quality sports analysis on top of it.
3: Yeah. It's pretty cool to talk about the Packers,
2: <laughs> which we will be doing Friday. So yeah, if, you, cool. if you, if you want to hear us talk about the Packers, we'll be doing that on Friday night. Uh, we'll have Simon and Bryant with us for that. Um, oh, that'll be Friday night. That's going to be fun. That's gonna yeah. be fun. Talk about the Buccaneers and previewing the Patriots game. So that'll be Friday night. Over oh. under. How many
3: times we talk about Brady being a dumbass? Oh man! For the for the the delay game. Seven. Seven. <laughs> I might. Whoo, I'm, gonna leave, I'm, I'm not even going to be in it because I put the over under out there. I'm going to leave it to Simon and Bryant. And Bryant by himself will do it seven times
2: he probably would because that's that's his uh, personality and simon i'll say it right before we end off on the show
3: yeah and he'll be like oh brian said it and i meant to say it
2: <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i was just gonna bring that up um but yeah we'll be back on friday night is there anything else you want to throw out there um
3: simon you're fired mm. and let him go first this week, because I swear to God, <laughs> if he does it, if he's not prepared, because he wasn't prepared week one, I didn't forget. If he's not prepared this week and he goes first, I'm on his ass. I'm telling you right now, I'm on his ass. All right, man. I will see you
2: Friday night. Then everybody, thanks for watching, even through our our uh, profanity laden rants at the end of the show. There,
3: we had to get it out. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: true. All right,
3: man. See you Friday night. Yes, you too. Take care, buddy.